back again to demystify the remainder of Dr. Strange Multiverse of Madness. If you didn't catch the first part, there's only a few days ago, so where have you been? Uh, we have a lot of ground left to cover in this movie. Incredible how much we seem to be able to talk about this shit. <laughs> but as Gordy says, it's going to be some heavy sauce tonight. We are picking up at the point at about like... Uh, Doctor Strange meets Baron Mordo in the Illuminati universe, finds out he was a hero, and then he gets knocked out by the T. I'm going to back us up a little bit uh, because I kind of rushed us through that scene before, and there are some dialogue cues in his conversation with Carl, Carl Marx Mordo, that uh, I think we want to touch on. So how's Gabriel tonight? How you doing, man? I love the costume, getting the Halloween vibes in early there. That's right. Yeah, I figure I'd wear the coat just for an introduction. I got to take it off. I'm cooking hot. 
I don't know. It might help because last time you were freezing up. Maybe this will help. (laughs) If uh, if that continues, which I think it might, I'll probably switch to phone. But I figured I'd just be here for the intro. What's up, everybody? Howdy, brother. Looking pretty legit, dude. For real, man. You look like you're about to go out on the town, go disco, bro. Did you do that for yourself? Did you do that on your own? Yeah, can't you tell? That's pro, man. <laughs> That's heavy integration, uh, my friend. Oh yeah. So how you doing, yeah. Gordy? It's eventful. Life is eventful, my friends. Either of you guys want to lay anything on us that maybe came from the first what was it, forty-five minutes of the film that maybe got missed, or to just like refresh ourselves on before we jump in? Because I have. I have some observations to throw out there that came to me somehow. I didn't connect it the first time time watching and just reflecting on it today. I was like, poof, poof, poof. mind Same. explosions. Same. Yeah. We should definitely yeah. go back and pick up any lost hanging chads. Yeah. You guys got any chads you want to rescue before I take us into uh, my first chat here? I do. There was a couple of, of things. There was a, a scene it with uh, Wong and um, and uh, Scarlet Witch just before he goes into uh, his trial thing with the Illuminati. Um, that is right at, and I had, for some reason I had thought that Chancey, you had addressed this. Actually, um, I think we didn't quite get that far in the film. We were getting okay. close to there. Then we're right well, we weren't actually quite there yet. No, we're right on time. Then, is yeah, there that's coming right up, though. But we can, yeah, we can kind of get a little out of order. That's no problem. So, where we left off, Gabriel, you want to delay anything on us first? Yes, uh, I think I'd like to. Maybe um, I'm going to send you a graphic, uh, and just to, to introduce a few ingredients now that will flush out as the plot unfurls. All right. You froze again, so maybe switch to phone when you get a shot, and I'll watch out for that graphic. (laughs) Uh, Pretty good freeze frames, though, in terms of your, you know, (laughs) facial expression. Hey, can we address something in the, like, uh, People don't see what happens in our little little groups. Our, we have these little side groups for, for these kind of discussions. And watching and listening to Gabe, like, find something, I know he's getting, like, really hot because they'll be like, boom, one graphic, boom, 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 one graphic. And then there's a voicemail. Guys, guys, guys. Yeah, I know it's. Yeah, I realized I had a couple minutes of them in my DMs from Gabriel before we came on the stream. And oh my God, my Telegram is doing something weird where no matter what image I try to enlarge, this is what I get. So I'll reboot Telegram, but I just wanted to show you guys the image. I'm sorry for the disturbing nature of this image. (laughs) Here's Gabriel. This came up from Kaylee's. Moonday Tarot last night. Uh, somehow I got the instruction to type into the AI art generator Kermit and Rufio eating ice cream sandwiches and talking about Scorpio. And uh, this is a horrific AI generated 
fake photo. Sorry about that. That's what my telegram won't let me look at anything else. Uh, so I'm going to re restart the program and then I'll bring up your graphic, Gabriel. Yeah. Very disturbing image. Eh? All right. Here we go. Gabriel, you froze again, even on the phone. Maybe it is an internet thing for you, buddy. You know, I've, I had to restart my machine today too. I, um, the internet was down when I got home, so it might be a thing. Yeah. Well, when I see him start moving again, we'll jump in. There he is. Okay. All right. He's good. So I've got Telegram rebooted. Excellent. And we are looking at the house, house of Windsor, huh? Yeah. All right. So I have found, what I think I have found is a considerable degree of predictive programming. That, uh, that I just didn't mention or uh, I didn't, it wasn't substantial in my mind until uh, I got a little deeper. And, you know, uh, I'm seeing some indications of, uh, you know, the, essentially the orchestration of the queen's death. Uh, you know, I think all of us agree that the queen probably died uh, on a date that they will not disclose to us. Uh, in which makes you think, you know, we know that they hide their birthdays. Uh, could that be for mystical reasons, you know, and could there be the similar, uh, line of thinking with obscuring their date of death? Um, yeah. Cause if they're initiates of some kind, part of that is also you keep your real name secret or your initiated name secret from yeah. the public. And I'm so glad you're bringing up this concept because I want, I, I have some, related very related observations so i want you to continue and then i'll get to mine yeah man all right so yeah i think what we're seeing is that they are uh they they won't pass up the opportunity to seed our consciousness with the entertainment with this fiction uh to plant the idea in our whatever level of consciousness so that when it is depicted in the you know consensus reality it echoes, rhymes, or uh, fosters the growth of those ideas that they seeded uh, early in the film. So what I'm about to lay out chronologically may appear to be uh, predictive programming, but the fact, the actual facts are, you know, she probably died a year ago and they just needed to lay the stage so that her death could have as much mystical implication as possible. So. It's a long way of saying this is predictive programming, but nothing is <laughs> as it appears. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it seems that way. I, I don't think that they're like sacrificing her to die on a certain day. That's a lot right. more complicated. And this, and, this, uh, it's been, there's been plenty of like hologram queens caught in the right. last year. So, yep. yeah. So this, this plays into that, uh, the, the most raw of the acronyms, DSIT mom. D-S-I-T-M-O-M. They're taking the queen off the throne. Which is the title of the film. Yes. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, D-Sit Mom is the right. acrostic yep. you can make out of that. Yep. So uh, they're basically uh, laying the stage for the revelation that, she, that she's dead. And so she, uh, we are in the sign of so also not only the queen's passing but i also think that the nord stream uh pipeline 
which when you reverse those letters, it is maelstrom. And the maelstrom is the, is the vortex uh, water pipe that spins around and around and around that pulls ships in like a black hole of the ocean and is notoriously known for having a kraken at the bottom of the maelstrom. The maelstrom and the kraken go hand in hand. And so there are certain events in this film that I think are uh, predicting uh, and not just predicting, but like immortalizing these historical, quote, historical events, uh, making them, solidifying them, making them seem more real or substantial. So that's my theory. And this little graphic here kind of uh, brings forward some ingredients from the uh, the Queen's family crest. Can you expand that a little more, Chance? Is it good? I started doing a different layout. Everything's more uh, horizontal. I hope it's better, more screen friendly. Oh, yeah, okay. it actually is way more screen friendly. Okay, good. Nice. So, um, uh, for one, we see that uh, she is the Princess Elizabeth Elizabeth of York, and her lo- the location she dies is in Scotland. So we have a bit of an alchemical wedding between the York and the Scottish Rite. In her birth is at the York, and her death was in Scotland. And the, the castle Aber- Aberdeenshire, that's Princess Aberdeen, right? The Huntress. Uh, uh, definitely a Sagittarius nod right there. Um, that castle that she died in is technically uh, uh, in North Ireland, but it's just across the border. She moved to their vacation home. There's all this intrigue about the actual place where she died, but I'm just pointing that out, that there's now a chemical wedding in her birth to her death, uh, the date being 8-9 uh, uh, of her death. That puts her in Virgo. Her death is in Virgo. And so that opening scene of them jumping around in that uh, in the gap juncture that they call it is a depiction of this classic image of Saturn combing the coma, the hair of Virgo. And you can see the archway is, you know, she's holding that uh, sheaf of wheat pointing right on the zodiac on the point of Virgo. And it even has the broken pillar floating around nebulously in the gap juncture. So I'm pretty sure we're seeing all the signs of Virgo uh, in this initiation scene, which they come back to later. And also in the coat of arms of Windsor, we have a harp, a lyre. Right. Well, let's just say, first of all, the character America is obviously the Virgo symbol. She's young and a female. So, you know, Yeah. Unmarried at the very least. And I think that you can make a claim that Strange is the Kronos Saturn character, especially if you ascertain that the occult Saturn is the sun in winter, as opposed to the just the planet Saturn, as it's referred to today. I'm not saying it isn't both. That word obviously now refers to both things. But in the mm-hmm. in in my opinion, this metaphor is that the sun plays every character in the sky clock. The sun right. is all 12 of the characters. He's like one actor who changes roles depending on the station he's in. So mm-hmm. we're seeing two of the roles in this, like, I guess that's a free Masonic type of tracing board image. It's not exactly a tracing board, but it is Masonic though. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, 
And also if you, so yeah, so some of the things on the Windsor family crest are that thistle flower and the harp um, and also uh, clovers. There's clovers in there. There's actually, it's almost like an ingredient list for something. Who knows what that all adds up to, but we already uh, covered the fact that uh, Chavez America, which Chavez is Yaves, Jen pointed that out. That's Keith's. Her name. Oh yeah, we also need to look closely at her jacket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't look closely at her jacket before. Yes. So yeah, her name is Keys, and she plucks that thistle flower in her you know defining flashback. And the Keys, those that's the Unum Sanctum. That's the U.S. Unum Sanctum. Her name is America. They've separated the Unum Sanctum from the A. They've taken the America off of the Yabes. And so these are two different things. And if you go and you investigate like the difference between um, uh, if you zoom in on those keys, Chance, there's actually the the Vatican actually flip flops between silver key on top and silver key on bottom. So one is the coat of arms for the Holy See and the other one looks almost identical. But you have to really pay attention because they switch the keys. The other one is the arms of the Vatican City State. And so that is the kingship and the priesthood that the Pope is handing himself over and over. He's flip-flopping within the same role, and he's switching those keys back and forth, uh, depending on what he needs to get done. But she picked that flower out of a cesta. She pulls the thistle from a basket. Uh, Latin for basket is cesta. That's her ancestry. That's the placenta. Absolutely. Uh, so I just wanted to bring all these things forward and just tell everybody that, you know, they are using these symbols as heraldry. These are from heraldry. So, you know, to herald is to like call from afar or to uh, spread the word from a distance. And so they are, they're speaking to one another. If you know your heraldry, uh, right in plain it's sight. Also, in the- it, it, heraldry is also the bearing of arms, like right. the right to bear arms. The right to bear arms. <laughs> yep. And that's your family crest, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and then one more thing. Turns out there is a uh, Catholic-driven rebel agenda in South America, well, Central America, Mexico and Central America. Uh, and that rebel force, it's in that, uh, that graphic with her picture there. It's highlighted. Uh, they are called the PRI. And it stands for something like the People's Revolutionary. Uh, yeah, it's too blurry. It is too this. blurry. But uh, my point with that was. Okay, crime. your graphics are leveling up, though. Keep going. Hey, all right. All right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, the pride, P-R-I-D-E, pride. So PRI is actually a revolutionary movement down in Mexico uh, attached to the Catholic Church, the uh, Cristianos. And it has, this is so crazy, guys. My research rabbit hole, just the bottom just kept falling out and going deeper and deeper. It was out of control. So I look into the um, um, the history of Mexico, where they decided very conveniently to persecute the Catholic Church. So it became uh, state versus the church. This guy got in, put in place. Uh, he got elected 12 times. He was president 12 times in a row. And while he was in place, he was basically making it as illegal as possible to be Catholic or have any expression of Catholicism, which was incredibly convenient 
to make everybody in Mexico uncomfortable in their own skin because what they had to do was uh, take a migration north. And what was waiting for them up north was the uh, annexation of Texas from Mexico. So Mexico was uh, basically persecuting their own people so that they would retreat, run away, and get recruited into a, a war. It was an, an inevitable chain reaction. And all of this intrigue down in Mexico is the origin. This is the, uh, this is the chain of custody for the uh, Espionage Act. In the earliest incarnations of the Espionage Act were born from this PRI organization uh, in the controlled opposition that they were running back then. In that PRI organization, they stayed in power until 2007. And so it's just very interesting that here we are with uh, more political intrigue, more controlled opposition, more people being forced into uh, impression, you know, and uh, it's an old operation. And I think it's going to be played out all over again. So just thought I would put that in the, in the atmosphere because, oh, and you know, man, more- just to look at like uh, Europe's migration yes. situations, you know, right. Uh, War torn countries and, and yep. all that immigrants showing up, totally changing the landscape of the culture, you know, it, it pretty much irrevocably. And yeah. that's uh to me, that's obviously an act of war, not even a soft act of war because the result is the same. If you had a conquering nation wipe out your army, and win a war against you, they're moving in, you know, they're crossbreeding with your people. They're bringing their culture. They're changing how everything works where you live because the dynamic and the numbers of people are different. So yep. it's like the exact same thing without the hot war. It's right. like the people have been so thoroughly conquered that they don't need to actually be conquered for the outcome of what war would lead to to just be done to them. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, So in that research, I was actually finding, uh, you know, the earlier incarnations are not, they don't go by the same name, but what we call it today is the Espionage Act. And it has like, as it uh, manifests through time, it takes on different mantles, different titles. But uh, interesting enough, the same uh, Espionage Act was brought forward yet again in 1917. And it had a new incarnation in that year. And in 1917, the Espionage Act of its day was the fire under Aleister Crowley's ass when they chased him out of America. So Aleister Crowley is in Kayinduaki, Kentucky, ground zero of my territory's map. He's looking for a sacred text at the Masonic Hall in Kayinduaki, Kentucky, ground zero, full card of my territory's map. He's asking for a sacred text and they flip their shit and they uh, decide that he is now a German spy. And the Espionage Act is the fire that chased him out of this country and sent him back to the UK. And knowing what we know about this movie, about Dr. Strange and his... uh, many layers of Crowleyan potential. It just blows my mind that I'm finding these uh, signs and symbols in the film that's drawing me to look back to these legal cases uh, that changed the landscape 
of the world. And here it is again, bubbling up to the surface in our modern day context with Julian Assange and fucking Mar-a-Lago and all the bullshit. So, yeah, you told me that uh, Assange is getting <laughs> 17 is Q, the letter Q. There's all this Q intrigue, you know, uh, Q is the whistleblower. Julian Assange is a whistleblower, supposedly, but maybe a double agent. Crowley, same thing. 1917, 17 is Q. He's kicked out. Assange is given a 170 year, uh, not sentence, I guess, but that's what they're trying to hit him with. I don't know yeah. what they're doing in that theater, but that 17 keeps coming up. Yes. And that is so 17, uh, the 17th uh, triangular number is 153. And that is the number of fish that the Christ predicted. Uh, would come out of the net untorn. And so when you, when you throw a fishing net, it makes a ring with a line. The draw line is at the center. The fishing net makes the shape of a Q. And so 153, 17, and Q is all indications that this is a fishing operation. It's all a fishing operation. It always was. We know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But the signs and the symbols have consistency, a lot of consistency. It's very dangerous. So that's my point, is that we are looking at a fishing operation uh, in the public arena, uh, but the signs and symbols are telling us that it's all controlled, you know? Uh, And as far as I can, as far as we can tell, it just goes straight to the papa, to the papacy, you know, at the top with that miter cap. Well, I think I can bring us back to the actual movie. Okay, thank you. Thank (laughs) you. A little bit here. because what happens here in this conversation with Mordo, when I was thinking about it again, I realized, oh, shit, he's talking about this is all a metaphor for the legal system. I mean, a lot of the Marvel films have metaphor for the legal system, no doubt. Anyway, Mordo and Strange are talking and Strange is informing him that our Wanda has the ability to conjure demons and monsters. Well. Now let's start thinking about what are demons and monsters. You know, what, what do you do to conjure a demon? You know, the name and what do they consider? What is the definition in the legal dictionaries for monster? Right. Yeah. It's a human being apparently. (laughs) So the demon is the straw man in a way you could say it's the ability to control straw men. The straw man has to do with the public being drawn into the public and out of the private Mm -hmm. out of the uh you know the rights of the private out of the state citizenship into the federal citizenship all these different ideas apply so immediately after he brings up demons and monsters he then points out mordo says yes we have a dark hold in this universe too so they're in different universes metaphorically is like being in one country or another country a parallel universe we got the same beings living there but they have different customs they have you know maybe red means go and green means stop that i think that that's part of the metaphor other countries being parallel universes in terms of how they you know basically every nation in the world is still working under this you um what's the word unesco not UNESCO, but what's the word? Uh, what's the name of the organization that's bringing about the uniform? Unidroit. That's what Unidroit. It yeah, good call. Yeah, Unidroit is the uh, organization based in Rome that is attempting and doing quite 
a lot of work to bring about uniform law codes and legal systems in all nations across the globe. So part of that is the legal language and the legal language requires specific definitions. And so I don't know how I missed it (laughs) until today, but Mm -hmm. it just struck me like a lightning bolt. The book is called the dark hold. What else is a book that we know about that has dark in its title? Black's Law, Black's baby. Law Dictionary, baby. Good call, Chance. Good call, man. The Darkhold is Black's Law Dictionary and the vo- the Book of Vishanti or the Book of Vishnu or the Book of Krishna or the Book of Christos is the Bible. They're wow. antithetical. It's the white book and the black book that are both used in the law system. Wow. Either- yeah. <laughs> okay, so Okay. Let me go through a couple more screenshots, Gabriel. Then hit me with what this is bringing into your mind. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is anything like ours? There's a spell contained within those pages. Yeah. And what is that spell? From is it called dreamwalking to go from one universe into another by possessing a body that looks like you, a form that looks like you. It has your name. It has your identity, but it's not you. It's the fucking straw man. <laughs> it's the ability of those who understand the dark hold, the Black's Law Dictionary, to operate from the private, from some secret location, but use the straw man, use the fiction, to operate in the public with impunity, to do whatever they want, maim, kill, murder, steal. But they didn't do it. Their straw man did it. <laughs> yes. This is it, man. Like this, this man, this is such an important aspect of this film that somehow slipped my mind completely. So I'm really glad yeah. we're doing two of these. Me too. Uh, and I've had this revelation today. Yes. I want to, I want to add on that real quick. Not only is it our straw man, the human that we interface with, it also includes words that they've changed the definition of the word jobs, creating jobs is now includes robots in automated machines. So if you create a, a, a position that a, jo- a machine can do, you get credit for one job. And then all the people who have to upkeep the machine, those are jobs that you made off of making the machine that needs to do the job. So now when people, politicians, influencers say that, oh, I made jobs, that actually means that they got a bunch of robots to replace humans and they get credit for it. And the other word, influencers. The same thing with the word influencer. Influencer, you think that means flesh and blood? No, it means a fucking army of robots. Also includes the word influencer. So these words that we used to think were flesh and blood, they now also include whatever, cyber, uh, Robinette. Joseph Joseph Robinette Biden, Robonet. It's the Robonet fishing operation, y'all. Fishing operation. Hmm. Did not know yeah, that about is, I love what, I love that we do this because I see completely different things than you guys do, and and this is that's what's great because there are so many layers to these. Every time we do these, we find all these different layers. Um, I don't think it's any accident that we call it Dreamwalk. That'll come back uh, up again um, because <clears throat> personally, I think that these multiverses, all these different uh, universes are dreams and the dream symbolism comes in really handy later on when they start showing like the, uh, the different landscapes 
these are all the dream symbolism is like really heavy. Yeah. And we'll point that out later. Shout out on. Wayne McCroy in the Rockfin chat. This is Yo, totally Wayne. his cup of tea, I'm sure. <laughs> Good yeah, to see man. You. Big up, Wayne. Uh, Chance, I actually have that scene where Mordo is like doing the revelation. Uh, and we could play it on mute, do you think? I don't know. We can probably okay. get away with some. Well, my thought when I saw it was that this revelation that Mordo's doing, everything we just said, and also we should consider uh, Gordy's uh, reveal on page 307 of Blavatsky's book, which was the last page on her book. So when he says that book is more powerful than you could imagine, I think he is all not just Black's Law, not just the Bible. I think also we might want to consider that page 307 from what Gordy revealed. The Keys to Theosophy by H.P. Blavatsky. The Chavez de Filosofia. The Keys of Philosophy. You got Sophia in it. You got the Chavez. There's a lot there. It's all there, fellas. Love I think he nailed it. Um, <laughs> uh, Yov is love. Is it? Let me, I think, should, should we take a time to uh, look at America's jacket now? Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. I'm surprised we didn't, I guess I just never got a good zoomed in view of it. So let me find, uh, it's probably pretty far up in our, I gotcha. Our group chat. So let's see. Doing some scrolling. I'll get us there any second now. I gotcha. Oh you made a lot of graphics, Gabe. Holy oh, shit. dude, I have so much to say. I mean, I'm almost, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at how much I have to say. <laughs> Which is, oh my God. Here. This is what keeps coming, keeps us coming back, buddy. This is, this is what, yeah, dude. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Here's for me to start. say that is saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. So on her jacket, there is a lot going on. We probably aren't going to be able to talk about all of it because not all of it is exactly legible. Right. But this one is just too much, man. Amor es amor, which is Spanish. Love is love. But it also kind of happens to be Roma backwards. Amor is Roma. And she's Chavez. So the two keys, the <laughs> the two Romes, Vatican and city-state, you know, the papal see and the city state, Rome and Vatican City, whatever ways you want to look at it. There's like two Romes going on in one spot, just like there's two Londons, you know. Um, so <laughs> the, also the fact that it's a more as a more R- Roma is Roma or Roma say Roma, if you put it backwards. Right. To me, that's mind blowing because they're their God, uh, Janus or Yov or any of the different names for it <laughs> is you could uh, you could do a philological breakdown to pull out the word love from Yov, depending on how you look at it. Even the tetragrammaton Yad Hey Vav Hey could uh, philologically is very very related to L O V E. So like right. when they say God is love, it's basically the same thing as saying God is Yov. And uh, so love and Yov, Roma, Amor. To me, there's got to be a reason why it's forwards and backwards like that for both concepts. Yep. Double speak, split tongue, codex by Parius, serpent speak. Punsters. 
punsters, man. You always got to think twice, sometimes three times with these fools. And what, what do two keys, what takes two keys? That's the most significant thing that everybody should be so scared of two keys. Nuclear weapons. Fake nukes. Oh. Also, that, that comes back up again, too. When, in the scene where it's really super subtle, but where Professor X is trying to pull uh, Wanda out from the, the good Wanda out from the under the rubble. Like it's, it's really subtle, but an air raid siren sounds just as he's trying to, trying to get her. And yep. then the, that's when the smoke comes. And, and she, that is, yeah. And then she snaps him. Mm-hmm. So that scene is also, uh, in, that's what happened to the queen. Queen Elizabeth was underneath the air raids. So that was actually mm-hmm. hailing to the queen because she got, uh, she was on in a bunker when uh, world war two, when they were bombing, that's part of her bio is that she, so those sirens were, uh, hail in honor to the queen surviving, uh, the blitz, I think. Um, Interesting. so chance I shot you one more kind of while we're on this, amor is a more topic. This is a good window for this. Okay. Yeah. And then there's a little bit more to break into on her jacket. Okay. Yeah. You know oh, what? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I don't have to like jump. No, I think it's okay. You sent me as a DM. All right. It's gonna, uh, just going to pull this up. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bobos and Deimos. You got it, bro. Yeah. It's amazing how much is on her jacket. Like we could go on that for quite a while. So yeah, these are, uh, we're told these are the two moons of Mars. Uh, they are, uh, just rich with mythology, both Greek and modern. Um, and I, a long, well, a long time ago, I sussed out that these two characters, uh, because they're, they are, help me out, Gordy, but their father is Magneto. Am I mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there's, there's not much more of a Mars like character than Magneto. You're, yep. Especially because Mars is like a word also pertaining to the sea. And so is Mag. Yes. Magneto is not that off base from Mars at all in terms of symbolic linguistic stuff going on. Right. And uh, uh, isn't it iron filings that you use uh, on, with magnets? Is that right, Gordy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And and uh, they say that Mars is supposedly its redness comes from the, the oxidized iron in the soil. Exactly. Yeah, and they kind of show he kind of gets made to look a little more purple in his costume in the like Fox mm-hmm. X-Men movies, but classic Magneto, fucker's red as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, super mm-hmm. Mars. Yeah, bro. So yeah, these two are the twins. They are twins, and they are representing these uh the two moons of Mars, uh, which like I said, NASA will take you on a ride all day with mythology about what's going on with those two bodies. They, uh, they're hollow moons, and this might have a lot to do with where the Death Star concept comes from. Um, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Uh, I just wanted to point out that we are dealing with a lot of lover's card symbology, a lot of Gemini, a lot of um, uh, essentially um, uh, indications that... Uh, what is what a I think I'm looking at is a huge spell uh, to uh, generate animosity within the family. 
to divide the family, to make it so that mm. brother fights against brother. This is, I think, designed, and I, I could uh, really fill this out uh, in a major way, but I think this is designed to spark a civil war, or at least to threaten to our mind on a very subtle level, or maybe nudge our thoughts towards that which would foster, uh, you know, families divided, a house well, divided. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it is an echo of Captain America 3 Civil War in the sense right. that you have who was formerly a superhero, Wanda, a very important one, who I believe even like helped the good guys during the Civil War, if there are good guys and bad guys in that. I think Team Captain America is supposed to be the good guys. The ones that are for freedom and I, you know, protecting their identities and all that and not having to register with the government. <laughs> and then now she's all of a sudden the bad guy and she's the Taurus figure. She's got the horns and, you know, in a way it's like pulling on that psychological program uh, that probably so many people are invested with from childhood of like one of their parents was the bad one and the other was the good one and there was a divorce and. Mm-hmm. All of that, or yeah. a lot of times in that situations, both it's bad and bad and worse, <laughs> not really good and bad. Right? Uh, you know, uh, so the, and and Jim and I follows Taurus, obviously. So, like, you know, right. the twins are the mo- the Taurus mother's children. Yeah. So the the size of this long game spell is uh, is huge. It goes all the. I mean, we've talked about germs. Germans, hermanas, hermanos, that's brothers. Uh, even like I have caught myself, uh, I used to talk about um, the uh, families, evil, uh, what it, what, I stopped saying it, like, uh, you know, the dark families or like uh, family bloodlines or elite families. That's it. I used to say elite families as, and then vilify them with my own words. Like these elite families are fucking up the world. Well, in a really crazy way, I'm saying that family is evil. And when I caught myself in that thought, I was like, wow, I should really check my words and I should maybe find something even more impeccable, more precise to, to so that I'm not saying to myself that family equals evil, you know, uh, and even like royal yeah. families, royal families. Well, that's are- the word racism is the same thing. Race meant family before right. it was given the connotations we have now. And let me lay something else on you, dude. Uh (laughs) When did Mars enter Gemini? Since we're talking about Gemini and their Mars father. Mars entered Gemini August 20th of this year and was firmly in Gemini when the queen supposedly kicked the bucket. So there could be more like hint, hint, wink, nudge going on there. Yeah, man, they this the war on the family operation, guys. This is so hard to convey the size and the magnitude of what I'm saying. Okay, this this has been anticipated so long ago. Okay, so Mars went into Gemini, and it starts to retrograde on the night of the of counting of the election ballots. The night that the election ballots start getting counted, Mars goes against. Gemini goes retrograde and they are going to be pitted brother against brother. And I think it has been seeded long in advance. Um, so Trump in uh, 2015, he 
put his his hat in the ring in uh, Taurus. His birthday is a, a couple of days later in Gemini. So he put his hat in the ring right there in the sign of Gemini. Uh, and Biden is oppositional. He's 180 degrees almost on the other side. He's Scorpio. And he's down there in November, which is election season. So these guys, I think of them as two seeds of a yin and a yang. And they are going to be used to uh, poison the house of one another in a very insidious way. And their positioning on the Zodiac is really significant. Um, so yeah, those are some of the ingredients that are going to come up. Can you pull that graphic back up, Chance? Because uh, it has to do with the love is love. It turns out I looked up you know, the word love in Greek is actually, uh, there's four different words for it, right? And I had to find that fourth because I knew, I knew the first couple, but it's that fourth, the fourth word for love that really was escaping me. And when I found it, all the lights turned on in my mind. Can you zoom in a little? It's very similar to the title of this film we're analyzing. Storgi. S-T-O-R-G-I. That is so similar to the word strange, isn't it? And so, in English, the translation for storgi is affection. It's like, oh, that's so interesting. It makes me think of, like, birth certification. Birth certification. So I start breaking that word down. Now that I know that affection means family love, your placement in the family, the word birth is an anagram for tribe. So now I'm looking at it and I'm saying, is it your tribe sort efficacion? Is it your tribe sort efficacion? Is it your love of your tribe being sorted out? What is your value to the tribe, to the collective? Birth sort efficacion is your tribe sort family affiliation to the family, to the tribe. Isn't that a trip? And we have... Uh, Fe uh, the philia comes in, like philosophia. <laughs> we talk about uh, Wanda representing Gnosticism and uh, also Sophia, like yes. PC Sophia. Yes. So there's a breakdown of that type of love as well, philia. Right. The Eros is interesting as a term because if we were looking at the if we're looking at the Trinity of the solar deity, Eros is also Cupid. And Eros is also uh Christ, <laughs> Horus, whichever version of it. And you know, without belaboring that point and getting into big detail, uh Dylan does a great job demonstrating this through the language, but We'll just put it in the simple terms. Eros in Greek is like um, eta, uh, rho, omega, no, omicron, sigma. Yeah, it's like eta, rho, omicron, sigma. It could be an omega instead of an omicron. But that is our, to us, that would be like E-R-O-S. However, uh, eta, <laughs> which is, eta is also H. Eta can turn into English as E or H. Mm -hmm. So if you were looking at that E-R-O-S, you also have in there H-R-S. H-R-S, 
which is where you get Hiero, sacred. It's where you get Horus. It's where you get Her, which is the hand, uh, like the carpenter car. You know, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of stuff. So that's the simplest little quick context I can give on it. But Eros is the reason why that's the Horus or the Christ is because the love between the couple, mom and dad creates the son, the child, right? And that's the part of the Trinity that the savior is, is the son, child, lover. (laughs) And when you get into the dark Gnosticism ideology, uh, you find out that they consider it more than okay, more than okay that the mother and the father have Eros for their version of Eros. And um, I mean, that sounds exactly like what I mean it to sound like, you know, in some of these, these uh, cults that still exist today, running the corridors of power in the world today. That's part of the deal, you know, Eros for your own, uh, your own offspring. In a very traumatizing MK Ultra type way, they probably had it done to them, and it's important to consider because why this relates to Gnosticism as an ideology is because you go look into the Nag Hammadi creation myth and Eve, who is a version of Sophia, straight up says that her son is her lover and is also her father and is also her. It's very complicated if you try to take it literally. It's meant to be an allegory for the three-in-one nature of everything. In particular, the sun has a good symbol for that because it's a very obvious symbol for that. But it's been taken literally. Oh, the Dylan, bringing the, uh, bring the insight with the Storgi is similar to Stork, which is one claim of the etymology of the Pulaski, who are the Phoenicians, which were called Fenians. Nice. The Irish got their letters from them. Yeah, nice. boom, and the yeah, phoenix. I, that's in the uh, that's in the creation myth of the Nag Hammadi Gnostic text as well. The trauma will come keep coming back up too. This is all about trauma. Yeah, buddy. And dealing with it. Every you know, every single thing, every single interaction when the, when they interact with themselves, every single one is about addressing trauma, and we'll we'll hit that when we start hitting the scenes. Yeah. Uh, one quick point, uh, you know, uh, there part of this program, part of this, like, you know, brother against brother, uh, which ultimately it's actually you against your higher self, uh, going down, going into that placenta, uh, realm of thinking, the placental realm, the placenta is the cesta. It's the basket. That's your ancestors. And guess what? They're turning everybody's stomach with. The concept of incest right now, it's a real big push in the, uh, the new, you know, cultural Marxism that's being foisted on the people. And what that is doing is it's vilifying this storge, this love of the family, the love of self, the love of that which is of your own essence, that shares the essence of you. And anything that reflects the essence of you must be vilified. And that's part of this brother-on-brother civil war mind control program that we see marching right on down the street in plain sight. Should we look at the uh, jacket or do we want to? Oh, yeah, there's more to the jacket. 
<laughs> one more thing at least. Yeah, I've got it ready, Gordy. I don't know if it's going to look very clear. It's hard to read, but I'll pull it up as a screen share anyway. And what does that yeah. say in Spanish, guys? In, incriminando el jugar. El juego. That's it. Juego. Thank you. Incriminando el juego. So it's like blame the game or hate the game. It's an implication of don't hate the player, hate the hate the game. That's or whatever, right. right? And what happens when you drop the vowel out of the word blame? The vowel? BLM? <laughs> That's good, yes. Uh, so to me, that is an obvious nod or intentional or, or not, whatever, but to what I've been saying about this movie being a big allegory for the uh, inverted gnosis of like simulation theory is 100% a materialistic version of Gnosticism. It's the same thing. Oh yeah. There's even a little sneaky inverted pentagram upside down pentagram here. How cute. Yeah. So how cute. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, saying hate the game or blame the game is like reality is a game or reality is a simulation or reality is an illusion. And you should hate it because you know, you should blame it. You're cursed in this body. You're cursed in this existence. You're in a luge factory. You're the biggest possible victim in the entire cosmos. You're at the very bottom of the scum ladder as a poor slave to the demiurg. And you better just find a way to escape reality as quick as possible and do nothing to help yourself or anybody while you're here and find no joy or love in it at all. That is the ideology that they want you to think is the secret of all secrets that you are, uh, you're some kind of genius because you figured this out and it's definitely the truth and you have now got the green light and the license and everything. You are now licensed to victimhood at the highest level, you know, mm -hmm. in a very intellectual level. <laughs> You've been fully feminized by the occult and it's the final step towards your own self-murder is to believe that you are a prisoner in a giant, you know, slave factory so to me that's like right there those three words incriminado el juego <laughs> that's them giving the, the little wink of like this is what we want you to think yeah you know in twilight incriminando is uh it's the inked remnant if you attach if you give joinder to that fictional straw man then you are ink remnando. It's the rest of you, the inky rest of you, that bloody mass. Placenta magic, telling you every time. Bureau of Land Management, for that matter. BLM, we talked about organ harvesting in the last one with the uh, bank, the memory lane bank or whatever that was. You know, it's all, it's all integral to the, to the signs and symbols of this film. It's quite, quite mind boggling. Uh, I shot you one more. This is my last hanging chat, and then we can go forward on the plot line in the in the telly there. Uh, I think I might have cracked what the Volkers on that apple basket was. Here we go. So <laughs> I don't understand this one without some explanation. I'm going to be honest. I know, there are I butterflies know. with some MK Ultra. Got it. You got it. And there's two of them. That's your twin aspect, right? Your lover's card. So Volkers is an anagram for lovers with a K. 
And K is 11, which is the Gemini sign. Two I's. So we have lovers and a Gemini sign with the K. So uh, turns out uh, Volk, Volkswagen, was invented by fucking Hitler. I just learned this the other day. Volkswagen was invented by Hitler. Blows yeah, my mind. It's the people's car. He he yeah. he put it into order. It it wouldn't have yeah. ever happened if not Hitler had uh, taken all the companies and made right. it for the people. It's the people's car. It's yeah. literally what it means. Right. Owen so, Benjamin did the most hilarious stream the other day about Hitler's fupa. <laughs> and how he's, you know, he's either he's, he looks. If you look at his lower half, he basically looks no different than Melissa Etheridge. He's always posing in his little super fruity shorts and doing photo shoots in front of trees and all this stuff is so funny. And uh, <laughs> what else? Did he, oh, and the other hilarious joke that he was getting on about was how like what was one of the biggest battles in World War Two? The Battle of the Bulge. You think that was like the allies naming it that because they're laughing about the fact that Hitler had no bulge at all. I don't know. Gabriel's a bit frozen and sideways. He'll come back. There you are. He's back. Okay. Sorry. I had to send something through my phone and you heard me talking about Hitler's FUPA, right? Yeah. What is that? Front upper pussy area or fat upper pussy area. FUPA. A fupa is, yeah, he has no bulge. He has no bulge, and the biggest battle was the Battle of the Bulge. Oh, my God. <laughs> for, for sure, either a trans or a eunuch, Hitler was. I, I'm actually into this theory. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Owen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> super funny, too. You're going on about it. So, he was like uh, sleep deprived and just like screaming and ranting about it. And he'd right. playing piano and singing about it from a very angry <laughs> tone. So funny. That's awesome. I did learn that uh, Hitler was hypnotized by the leading hypnotist of his day. He had a, a traumatic injury from world war one where he was blind and it was, uh, he was, it was like shell shock blind. It wasn't physical. It was like in his mind. And so he went and saw a hypnotist and the hypnotist put the switch on him and then out from that office came Hitler. Uh, a lot, to, a lot there, but let's, let's just stay on track. So um, just before she, uh, we flash to the Volkers crate. She is putting uh, the clippings of the apple tree into that crate. And she is saying a uh, viz viz had mentioned the fact that there is a dark hold out there. And so we have uh, uh, a call to Wanda Vision. W-V, Wanda Vision. As she's saying, Viz was talking about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, that, that's, that, we're not there yet. We got Vol- Volks, we got Wanda Vision, the W, the V and the W. And then the next line in the conversation is him saying, it was a choice between the archer with the mohawk and then flip to the next picture, Chance. As he says the next line, the apple tree obscures the camera. This is a veiled reference. The next line out of his mouth is, and several bug-themed crime fighters. There's your Volkswagen bug. 
This is the veiled reference back to the Volks and the bug, hailing to uh, Hitler, who invented the Volkswagen bug. And now go back to the crate chance. So now I'm looking at it in a whole new light. What is the, uh, uh, what do they call it? Lulami? Luma? What's the new language? Lumashi. Lumashi. Constellation writing. Lumashi, where everything is upon, you know, triple, quadruple entendres, okay? And now I'm thinking with Lumashi, and it's, um, it's, it's wild. It's a wild ride. So she puts the apple clippings. <laughs> you look like you've been on one, dude, for sure. <laughs> it's real, y'all. It's real. Okay, so she puts the apple clip in this crate. Is that the paper clip? Is it the papal clip? Apple is an anagram for papel. Papel means paper. And we know about L's and R's. So is it Operation Papal Clip, when she puts the apple clippings in a Volker's crate that encodes the lover's card, that is the Hermanas, that is Germany? All of this is just whispering in our subconscious mind. The Germans are coming. The Germans are going to get you. The Germans, the germs. It's your fellow brother. Don't trust anybody. But now let's take people. And now, but in real life at this time, the Germans are like not even able to tell the truth about what happened to their own gas supply. (laughs) They're completely, they're completely like uh, castrated as a people. It seems like. Yes. Yes. And it was this whole psyop that really did it. You know, I mean the uh, world war two, obviously there were things about it that really happened, but it was also a huge psychological operation and uh, German people definitely got defanged in that. That's right. And what, so world war two, the acronym is WW twins. I, I, yeah, and they're also about to a little, a little ways later in the movie, they're going to actually make a reference to like how you could bring germs across multiverses, and we got to keep you in a fishbowl. Yep, yep. So yeah, uh, I'm just pointing out that we've got germ man. Yep, we've got a lot of Operation Paperclip, and now that I'm looking at uh, the word paperclip and all of its uh, acronym potential. I'm seeing the papal C, paper clip, papal C, lips. That's fidelity. That's your, that's your, uh, you're the mouthpiece for the papal C. Hmm. And the straw man as a symbol is also the mouthpiece. Right. And we know that Pegasus is the page. It's the paper. We're going back to Pegasus as the uh, pontificus, pontifice, uh, which is another one. I'd have to make a whole nother graphic for that. But which is also the Ark. The yeah. Pegasus square is also the Ark in the version of Noah's story where it's a put. Uh, what's his name? It's the Gilgamesh version. Upna Pishtum or something like that. <laughs> it's the yeah. Noah. Yeah, it it makes no sense in that mythology that the Ark is described as a square. Like, well, obviously they're talking about that constellation, the Pegasus yep. square. So yep. the Pegasus the Pe- is the Ark and the Ark is the ruler or the head. The lips are on the head. All of that does symbolically 
in a weird like Lumashi way makes sense. Yeah. And yep. Lumashi is for sure like that's where we're just to re- refresh people on that term. It is that all stories are pre-written in the stars and that the context of the story and the fantasy uh, of it, like the absurdity of it, <laughs> of story is coming from this interplay between the language up there and the languages down here through puns through homonyms and synonyms, through looking at one language to another, forwards and backwards, anagrams, acrostics, every which way you could play with words yes, is coming into the equation as uh, this priest class or astronomer priests of the olden days would attempt to do all these different hyperdimensional, multi-universal decodes of the stars and of of uh language itself to derive the what they considered to be the logos what they yep. considered to be how you actually found out the true history of places and <clears throat> or they at least sold that as the <laughs> sold that to the rulers as here's how I'm going to give you your history right. and your divine right of kingship so like as <laughs> as schizophrenic as uh, it might seem to somebody new out there with how you, your train of thought went through here, you must have probably been one of these astronomer priests in some past lives or some shit. Because <laughs> this is exactly how yeah, it's crossed they, my mind before. This is exactly I, how their their thought process of creating great. mythology was done. Was like. Okay. Yes. This looks like this looks like this looks like this. And now all of a sudden you got a guy cutting off a a lady with snakes for hair hair who turns people to stone. And he's cutting off her head and putting it on a shield. And, you know, all these things that are just so non sequitur about mythology Mm -hmm. and where it's gotten the furthest out of hand is at the point when people could suspend their disbelief of the myth so thoroughly that we get to the level of simulation theory believers, <laughs> you know, pop mm-hmm. cult, not pop culture, Gnosticism or flat earth, uh, li- biblical, <laughs> biblical historicists, all of that. <laughs> nice shot. Gordy. <laughs> Got fired. What did Gordy, what did Gordy say? Nothing. Keep it. moving. Keep moving. <laughs> I just ran. <laughs> So, so real quick, you know, I want to I want to point out that uh, one of the things that is dangerous about Lumashi is that it's being uh, presented as a means of uh, karmic absolution. This is how they reveal or come clean or speak what can be construed as a truth. But if you don't speak Lumashi, you're not going to get the fact that you just had the truth disclosed to you. And you'll be, I like to say, not, I think, I like to think about as a thought experiment, do we suspend our disbelief or do we ourselves become suspended in a state of non-believing? And that's a mm-hmm. thought experiment. That's a thought experiment. And it, it takes some mental gymnastics. That's Go a, home, that's a real to, thing. you know. Yeah, you know, go home, think about it, do a little yoga. This suspend your belief is a is an interesting thing to uh, to work on. Uh, so yeah, that was a long way around. 
pointing out the Lamashi of the Volkswagen of WandaVision of the uh, Volkswagen bug and the Operation Paperclip. And now that we know that Pegasus is the page, man, I see all the contracts. I see all the contracts. And uh, just, just long story short, Pontifus and Pegasus, I can do Lamashi and I can make them one and the same. The Pope, as you said, Chance, in our last show, the Pope is riding Pegasus, the bridge. Pegasus is the bridge through the wintertime. It's the white horse. It bridges the entire uh, winter quadrant of the Zodiac. It's the bridge. Yeah, it's, the, it's also the Ark. It's the right. boat, you know. Yep. It's all of those and things. And the, the Ark is the Archon, and the, the Pontifus Maximus is the Pope, uh, yep. is the... Ch- the chief, which is Archon bridge yep. builder. And so, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all there. Right. Totally. And one, one more point is that in the tarot, the winter time, that quadrant that is bridged, that the pontifice of the Pegasus is bridging over, that is signified by coins. It's signified by coins, by pentacles, by placenticles. It is the mint. So, you know, the movie that we came here to talk about. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, you know, that movie, uh, Dr. Strange and his mom. Oh, yeah, right. right. So Dr. we Stor- talked about about maybe got about two minutes of plot. Described. Dr. Storgy. Dr. Storgy. Dr. Stork. Part Gemini. Uh, so anyway, Mordo says something about the dream walking, right? Oh, which yeah. is controlling your straw man from the private acting in the public from the protection of the private. That's what Wanda is able to do. He says they can dreamwalkers can do irrevocable damage to the universe. They invade to me. I was like, Oh, this is CIA, <laughs> right? This is the CIA invading other countries by sending just one or two agents that have, you know, immunity of some kind through their whatever identity they're acting in. They got the right kind of passport or who knows what. I mean, I'm I'm yep. simplifying it, but to me, it's very much the same thing uh, as an idea. Irrevocable damage done to your universe through these dream walkers. Provocateurs. Yeah, exactly. And so we're seeing basically in this in this conversation they're doing, it's kind of a cool like montage overlay of at the same time, Wanda doing her whole ceremony to dream walk. They bring up the book of Ashanti, which I think now is also the Bible because it said that it has the power to grant a source for what they need to vanquish their enemy. And I'm pretty sure that that's <laughs> maybe in the legal system the whole like the real power of the bible as well is that uh since the system is foundationally based on that that if you actually had that book and uh, could comprehend that book for like as a sorcerer would not as just like a layperson literalist then you would also have the key to vanquish you know in court any enemies that you needed to but it requires also knowing that dynamic of the public and private and that's why Stephen at the end he doesn't actually win with the Book of Vishanti. He wins with the Darkhold uh, and 
sort of the book of Vishanti. I mean, kind of merging both ideas in a way, but more important that he got to understand the dark side <laughs> for him. Cause it's about him integrating shadow as well. Now I wanted to pull up a screenshot of when Wanda is like connecting into multiversal other realities because they like to show us this imagery a lot of the multiverse that has a lot of overlap with like what they showed us the crown sun disease looked like, you know, little spike balls, right? And also brain synapses. So it's kind of like they're giving a nod to the hermeticism of it all that multiverse is also like a big mind on <laughs> the mind of what they don't, you know, of course they'll never come out and say that there's a creator or something. They could never do that. <laughs> right. Not a single character is an advocate for the idea that there's a, a creator <laughs> in any of these films. So what is that about? You know, they'll, they'll go, they'll cover all kinds of wacky ideology. They got, you know, in fucking Italy, this sign right here, right? The the horns. In Italy, they had to change the movie poster because Strange is doing this on the movie poster and so many people would be offended by that. That they had to change him to doing like like this <laughs> instead. You know? Wow. So, a- you know, so they are doing stuff that some people associate with straight up like Satanism and evil. But they'll never, ever, no, not a single character, not even once, will, you know, advocate for the existence of a creator. Yet, it's kind of implied that the, that that is the case because even the multiverse, which is a silly idea in my opinion, I don't think it has any uh, validity as described to us by pop culture or quantum physics, theoretical physics. But okay, so here's the image I was waiting to come up. It's the. Uh, <laughs> Here she is with her dark hold and her, these little nodes are supposed to be parallel universes. Parallels is not exactly the right word for how it's structured here, but it's that spiky ball thing. (laughs) They they like to bring that back in all kinds of different ways, especially in Marvel. And uh, the other, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll end sort of this exposition of random plot objects (laughs) peas and carrots anyway uh, is that this Wanda she goes into this other universe which is the Illuminati universe to take over her alternate self and her alternate self is living as a single mother with no father so it's just like no matter what Disney has got to put in the broken home even like and this is a happy perfect home that she has discovered in a parallel universe. It's perfectly happy and healthy without the father. And I'm not saying you can't have a happy, healthy home if there's not a father in the picture, but it's not like the ideal of ideals. <laughs> so the fact that Disney makes that the thing, it doesn't surprise me at all. All right. Uh, you guys want to riff on that stuff. I'm done throwing down other than to say that the black book is the black cube as well. You just got to say that. I think right after that scene right there, this is where Wong comes in, correct? And they have that discussion? Yeah, because as she's trying to take over this other Wanda, at that exact moment, um, she gets interrupted 
by what did you say this character's name is? Wong. Sarah. Sarah. Oh, I know that's Wong, but what's the other lady? Sarah. Black Sarah. Black Sarah. Sarah Swati. Okay, got it. Which is Harris, which is Princess in Hebrew. Harris is also Eros. Harris is HRS, which is Horus, which is Eta Rho Sigma, yep. which is Eros. And she's about to become a burnt offering. Yep, the black god. Yeah, and right behind Wanda is... No, actually, they haven't got there yet. But when she gets to the Mount Wandagore, there's a big black statue of her as a goddess. So yeah, there's like multiple <laughs> black god references here. Black cube, black book, right. black statue of the Krishna, on and on and on. So, uh, Gordy, I think you'll like this theory, but I believe that when Sarah does this dive bomb and stabs the book the kamikaze operation she does here, she looks back at Juan and lifts her hand towards him. And a lot of people think that she's saying, I love you because they were, uh, you know, romantically involved. I think she's actually conveying the knowledge of the book to him instantly. Oh yeah. Mm, Okay. There's a flash of light where Wong receives a knowing and it's comes from her in her sacrifice. So she's got the book is penetrating her knife is penetrating the knowledge of the book and her other hand is pushing the, the illumination of it onto Wong. Yeah. And her lips are trembling as she dies. And I think that's, uh, she's giving him the password to all that knowledge. Speaking it through him. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. Just a theory. Um, Right after this, I think she, so Wong is trying to, Talk to her. Okay, there. You know, Wayne made a really great point in the Rockfin chat that peas and carrots uh, symbolize uh, secrecy. Nice. Okay, I was going to say something. I'm glad he brought it up. I have heard that before, but I am so glad he saw, he saw that. I didn't click. Okay. Um, so there's a discussion that Wong has with, with uh, Wanda here and he's trying to he's trying to connect with her he's trying to connect with his abductor right and he says he's asking her why why do you want to take her power because she's she is literally she's trying to kill america right she's trying to kill america and take her power that's what the thing is so he says so he asks her why she wants to do this. And she says, well, what if they get sick? And uh, she's talking about her kids, Billy and, and what's his name? Bobby. Yeah. Tommy. So Tommy. Uh, Tommy and Billy, Tommy and Billy. So basically like, why don't you just have America send you to a universe you want to go to? Why do you have to kill her and absorb her powers? And the answer is I need to steal her power. Cause what if they get sick? Yeah, because the the multiverse. So it's like has yeah, it's the stealing of power. Wow, that's what the happened same. when whenever there was the fear of what if all the kids get sick, a bunch of power got stolen. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he says. Uh, so she's obviously she's trying to control everything because she wants all the knowledge for herself. She's the one that's trying to control the whole, not just her 
universe, but the multiverse as a whole. And this is where they stop, they stop calling it like one thing or another. It's like, are you from the multiverse? Which is like this amorphous thing. And this is where, where I say, this is, these are dreams. These aren't actual, these aren't actual um, universes. They're a dream, which is a universe inside, you know, in all of our heads, because we are living those things. If you are having a lucid, rich dream life, you are living, you can live a full life in some of those dreams. Um, So he says, why do you want to do that? And she says to control, you know, to control, to make everybody safe is what she's She's saying, and he says, try as you might, you can't control everything. And it will, it will push back. And her answer was, I was, she goes, she points back to the, the mural, the, the whole stone thing. She go, gets to the dark hold. So the dark hold isn't just the book. The dark hold we find out is the temple, the black temple. And so she and there's a there's a carving of what looks like her in the building prophesying her her coming so she is the dark uh messiah of the dark hold that it looks like she's like look i was meant to rule this realm kind of thing she's like you can't you can't rule everything and it'll destroy you and what is what is medusa it, the, and echidna, the it's the echidna. It's the echidna status, which is crazy because we were talking echidna like a year ago, Gordy. But way before this movie, we were uh-huh. talking echidna, and here it is, central to the entire culminating Doctor Strange storyline. Quite fascinating. We're seeing it coming, man. Yeah, man, we were way ahead of all this. Uh, Chance, I shot you another one. I, maybe we, I'm going to just kind of con, uh, consummate what Wayne was saying about peas and cues and uh, peas and carrots equaling a uh, secret. Well, let me lay some, <laughs> let me lay a few little things on you from Dylan's fourth book because he brought up Echidna and there's actually, there's like major symbolic links here to other things in the film that maybe will give you just a, good train of thought to move on into. So I'm going to basically all this information I got from a God's acre for winds of the soul. All right. So first of all, we know the word Soros, right? As in the Soros cycle of the sun. Oh my God. I can't take it already. (laughs) There's an islet in the kidneys or echinades called Soros, right? Yes. Soros. He he brings up that Serapis, who is okay. like one of the versions of Horus or Christ, could also be Soros Apis, like as in the, the Apis bull. And the bull is Taurus, obviously, from when the processional year began in Taurus. So at that point, you know, the bull was the was the most high before it became the lamb in the age of Aries. So we have that. Soros is also Sar, as in like Sarian, you know, as in lizard or reptile. We're talking lizard people, right? right. <laughs> Which is the echidna is lizard 
snakes for legs and everything. Yeah, right? man. Yep. And then we have, <laughs> then we have a couple, a couple other things. Isaria, Isaria uh, was a city at the foot of Mount Taurus. Isaria, basically Soros again, uh, and lizard. Venus right. rules Taurus, as we know. We already got into that, but basically, he's pointing out that Isaria is Ishvara, is Ishtar, is Venus. It goes on and on, and um, there's <laughs> there's more. Like he gets into phonetics that link all that in the word Sar, as in Soros, to salvation and to creation and to the cycle of the year. Uh, so you know, it's a really amazing chapter. It's from chapter seven. Nice. I was just reading it today, so I just had to bring that up because, you know, we're talking about this movie coming out in Taurus, and there she is with snakes on her head as a Medusa. So that's very lizard and reptile-y, right? Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. Also, I would like add to all of that. Like, yeah, I was researching the very same location very recently. Uh, so we have like um. Uh, resh in reverse is ser and resh is all head it all, all is speaking to this head and another aspect I believe in that location and head is palace and archi as well right. yep and I, so I believe in that location of Zara it's uh, just not far from where the alleged uh, Sodom was struck the town of Sodom and this is where Lot, where Lot and his two daughters uh, retreated to, and then all the crazy incest was part of that story. And so there's, it's like a, uh, it's like a part of biblical history that is like, uh, just replete with dark seediness and all things, uh, that we're supposed to not look too closely at, or we might turn into a pillar of salt. I mean, we have, you definitely don't ask it. You, you definitely don't ask your Sunday school teacher about it when you're a kid. Cause if you ask about well, it, you're going to be yep. shut down. We're just, you know, look, there's animals on an ark. Don't look at the incest stuff. Don't look at selling out your daughters. Right. For, it just, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got Medusa. We've got Lot's wife turning things to stone, right? These are speaking of a basilisk. The basilisk is a concept. Mm-hmm. It's an alchemical ba- uh, concept. It goes back to Paracelsus. And it has to do with an idea that once you see it, you cannot unsee it. And this is the apprehending of the echidna, the porcupine. Once you apprehend it, you can't let it go. It has joined her. It attaches to you. By merely taking it in with your eyes, it is now inside your head. That is the password. By looking at it is giving it consent to come within. So all of these things come from Zora. And that is the origin of sorcery. Black magic, all those, uh, all of those come from this area. So resh, head, sorcery, and probably has something to do implicitly with eating of brains. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But when I hear Zor or Resh or Rez counting the head of steer and treating humans as animals, I know that we are talking about a lineage of people who feed off of other humans. So let's just kind of maybe not look too close with that, <laughs> with that ingredient in mind. Uh, but 
can I riff on that P and Q? Because that was a good one, man. I'm so glad he said that. The uh, P, peas and carrots. Peas and carrots made me think peas and Q too. Totally. That's pints and quarters. You know, your parents used to say, mind your P's and Q's. Those are your pints and your quarters. Those are your proportions. And this is the proportioners. Those are the three faiths. And when they're telling you to uh, be polite, they're telling you that you're the master of your destiny. And when your parents used to say that to you, they're saying you're on your own now. In the, you're at the whim of the fates. So be mindful. Know your, point, your pints and your quarts. Uh, those are your proportioners. Uh, the three Moiray. So she is the good Wanda when she sees the P's and Q's, right? And she goes through, she gets this weird woozy kind of thing and the, the tea starts to splash. Well, she's having a, uh, she's having the cephalopod, the mind walker is about to enter into her mind. The bad Wanda is about to come into her brain. And the P's and Q's that Wayne just mentioned means a secret. Chance, can you bring up that last one? And it comes it comes in through reflections. Oh, interesting. If you pay attention, it's like on the surface of the T and it all of a sudden oh, that yeah. surface becomes like an, a stormy ocean. Oh, right. A mare, as her mind is about to get marred. <laughs> right. And her pick her picture comes to life and looks she sees herself. She looks at herself. That's the pics. That's the pics of, uh, they gave, um, of, they were inked the inky ones. They were tattooed. The pics. Uh, that's very interesting. And that's part of the mythology of the Sora. Uh, but chance, if you bring up that next one, this is kind of fun. Cause this is from a comment we got in the last show on this. That's interesting too, because isn't one of the, uh, in the, Babylonian version of all this that the humans were created by a Sophia type goddess and Inky. He's Inky. <laughs> ink remnant. The inked remnant. Yeah. Uh, ink, ink reminated for sure. So you want me to bring up the, the Gaelic one? Yeah. Gaelic this was great. Here? Do you know who Michael H is? Is Michael H. Is that course. Michael H? I don't know who that is. I'm, not, I'm sorry I, if I should. I feel like I should too, uh, but I loved his comments. And this one just jumped out at me. I had to make a graphic out of it because it was so badass. Uh, in our last show, he brought forward that the Gaelic word for secret is run. And, oh yeah, picks in the, yeah, buddy. Yeah, man. I can't wait for book five, Gravy Dylan. My, so, my mind will be gravy. So when Wanda, this is the same thing. She's cephalopoding. She's mind walking into this fella's brain, right? In the password that she uses, the P's and Q's are run, which is Gaelic for the word secret. She whispers a secret in his ear. That's her password to get into Karmataj. She uses the word run, but in Gaelic, it means secret. She whispers a secret in his ear. And so it's just very telling that the P's and the Q's is indicative of a secret uh, in that they flash that right before she gives up her, her uh, mental capacities. And uh, it seems to be a, uh, a theme because earlier in the film, she whispered secret into this fella's ear as well. 
So it's just something to consider. Uh, there's probably more beyond this, but uh, yeah, they are. They're using imagery and symbolism of secrecy right before she takes over somebody else's mind. That is interesting too, because uh, the words for the word for wolf has a lot to do with running as well. And what is Rome founded by? Romulus and Remus raised by a wolf. And then uh, same with the word for Fox, the word for Fox Volpes has a lot of connection to the idea of running as well. And who likes the Fox in their symbolism are Jesuits, right? So (laughs) I mean, like that's running and secrets go together. Uh, there's probably way more, way more receipts you could chase down about connecting those two ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay, where are we in the movie? We're in the movie, right? Again, are we? Are we back at it? <laughs> I think we could go back to the movie now. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of related to the movie because she whispers "run" in his ear right. the no, way you whisper a, a secret. Yeah, that's great, man. Thank you, anybody who jumps in, and and thank you, Wayne, for jumping in. All you guys, like, appreciate all of your knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Wayne brought up Rocco's Basilisk. Basilisk. That's uh, that's the rabbit hole. Yeah, that that's is, the yeah, that's it's the idea of like an AI hyperintelligence that basically has the ability to like blackmail you and torture you through technology. There's probably more you could say about that, but you know, when I hear names like Sauron as the the Lord of the Ring, and he's watching everybody with his eye at the top of his tower, Sar. As in like the Soros, Soros, and then on, which is the sun, and it's a big flaming eye in the sky. It to me, it does like I know it's not necessarily provable, but I do have a lot of thoughts about this idea of tulpas and egregores thought forms, and that even thus, even being imaginary, <laughs> as in created through the imagination and through the suspense being suspended in disbelief <laughs> that it, there could be something to these cults and their sneaky use of solar symbolism that the people take as a literal and historical, not realizing that they're doing basically a sun cult the whole time and feeding some kind of imposter, some kind of sun demon astral being that has taken basically like the place and received, you know, all the loose sent to it, sent to the real sun. And it's like a stand in. Um, Cause I wouldn't be, I just can't get behind the idea that the physical sun itself is some kind of demiurge like creature. It's giving us life. It's give, it's emitting at us all the time. You know, time backwards is emit. And it makes sense that it's also Kronos. It's the one that's marking out the seasons and the flow of time. But I'm getting into a bunch of random things just from thinking about Roko's Basilisk. <laughs> it is. It's, it is a profound rabbit hole. Be careful. Uh, public public awareness warning, whatever. Be careful with that one, folks. It's a, it's a hot mess. Don't, don't get too invested. I sent, you, I sent you one more hanging chat to bring us back to where we left. This is definitely going to take us right back to the movie. This was great. I learned, I found this one this morning and I owe Jenny B all the love on this. Jenny B, uh, she pointed out in the comments from the last show that, you know, that that roads, that that Braille street sign 
Can you zoom in a little more, Chance? The Braille street sign is third. It's three high and fourteen wide. That's a three point one four. It encodes pi. Pi. And it's written in Braille. Well, here we go. Here comes some Lamashi. Here comes four, your. It's four high. I thought she said three. I see one, two, three, four dots high. Just, but that one dot in uh, in between could be the point. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're. Uh, so maybe it's four. Oh, it's four. It's four high and thirteen wide. That's what it was. I'm sorry. Four high and thirteen wide. Yeah, that's still that, kind of a pie encode. Yeah. Yep. So four, one, three, four high, one, three uh, across. So that's reversed is three, one, four. So yeah, it's all good. It's still there. Good call, Jen. So it's pie. Well, which slice of the pie are we talking about? Well, we're using Braille to encode it. And Braille is an anagram for Libra. And look at the road sign up above. See the crossbar, the mast in the, uh, the yawl or the yard, the mast in the yard up there, that is a scale. The whole thing is encoding Libra. The Braille is the scale of Libra. And so this, this is, is when they enter into this land, the Illuminati-controlled universe is also like going through the gate, which is Libra, into the gate of winter or the gate of hell or the gate of chaos. Because yep. in this world... The powers of chaos have created their desired order of inversion out of it. It is the inverse of where the world they just came from, the real yeah. world or the good world, where everything was continually hitting us with vernal equinox, Aries and Taurus symbolism. And now we're here at the Ant, Antares, you know, point of yeah. the other side of the sky clock. So not that I'm Antares is in Scorpio, but uh, Libra is the you know, the, uh, the adversarial sign to Aries. So right. it makes sense. And in this world of inversion, green means stop and red means go. And we see everything flipped. So it is like the other half of the sky clock. You went through the gate, jumped into the <laughs> parallel universe. Even the gate was a five pointed star and th that gate into this world through the five pointed star, which is Venus. Libra is ruled by Venus. There's mm -hmm. a lot there. Nice. So I think we should call this social justice world. I think the name of this world is now social justice world. I think we found out the name for this entire land. SJW. SJW. And in the land of the blind, right? Because there's Braille on the signs. This must be the land of the blind. The one-eyed man is king. And who is the one-eyed man? It was uh, Doctor Strange with his uh, with the dark with the dark hold book. He has the one eye. So Doctor Strange, other self, his other self. No, that Strange didn't have a, a third eye. It will, right, but he will find the one eyed man who is the king in the, in the next his next uh, face off with himself. So he's looking for the one eyed man because he's in the land of the blind. Is the metaphor here, and he will become the one eyed man at the end, ultimately. But we know there is a one-eyed man somewhere in this land of the Braille reading blind. Oh, man, is he? Yeah, we're going. Oh, yeah. Good. We're going on eight. Yeah, Vulcanilia at 827. Oh, my God. <laughs>
<laughs> your brow just watched your mind turn into gravy for anyone that was just listening and not reading the comment I threw up on screen was probably just like what? <laughs> uh, so we'll, we kind of jumped a little bit in the plot uh, to show Wanda showing up at Wondagore. Um, let's just talk about that a little more and then go back to social justice world. <laughs> so when the Darkhold Black Cube Black Book gets destroyed, uh, somehow Wong has like perfect knowledge about the book and where it came from. Maybe your theory is right because she then like Wanda threatens to kill some survivors uh, from the earlier battle, which is just wild that she just murdered all the magic users in the entire world, basically in about five seconds. Like, whoa. Yeah. You know, I want to talk on that where she necro necromaniacally tortures the dead. That- I think they were like maybe alive. I think they were maybe survivors. Well, yeah. Well, she like brings them up and starts making them cry out in pain as to leverage Juan, right? Yeah. And that is, you know, the 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 cure to that was put forward a long time ago in, in the old book. It's you know, leave the dead for the dead, you know. Uh, but she reanimates them or starts torturing them for him, uh, just to uh, to get leverage him into uh, making a, a decision. Well, that's the same thing that's happening with the, uh, with the lockdowns. You know, if you're not going along with the narrative, then we're going to use the weight of all this, all these body counts, and we're going to bring it to bear on you and your conscience in the decisions you're going to make in the future. So I just want to point that out that, you know, leave the fucking dead for the dead. Don't let anybody raise the dead people and uh, try to, force you into some sort of shame position, you know, cause that's a, that's an age old tactic and uh, just fortify yourself, you know, leave the dead for the dead. Well, that's the thing that, uh, I mean, that goes back to the Greeks, the Greek gods. If you can't touch the, the person that you're going to persecute, uh, go after the ones they love. Right. Yep. That's why they like eunuchs in their higher ranks. Because they don't have any family to be leveraged right. against. Mm-hmm. And if they in, did, they probably don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> also, in that's, a, that's actually a corporate strategy. So yep. those big, big corporate corporations will hunt for people that do not have connections so that they can manipulate them all the more. Because right. they know they have, they have no other loyalties but to you. Are you frozen, Chance? Oh. <laughs> I was just thinking really hard, like, what I wanted to, how I wanted to interpret. Um, so, <laughs> uh, there's some weird stuff with this next scene that we're talking about. Wondergore. Wondergore. They're going to... Wong tells her that the book was taken from this secret place called Mount Wondagore, right? And to me, let me get a good screenshot of it or two. It's a big tower and it appears to be in like the extreme north because it's all this snow and frozen and like it's dangerous to go there or whatever. They can't even teleport to the top of it like you could normally. So Mount Wondagore pretty clearly, obviously, to me is the Axis Mundi, right? This mm-hmm. is the 
throne at the top of the pole, the palace, palaster, pole star. To me, just the very fact that there's this throne for Wanda, who is Sophia, at the top of Mount Wondagore. Again, Wanda, there's Manda encoded in that, which is gnosis or knowledge. And Gore, <laughs> Gore is a weird one. Um, there's a, I, I would have to like spend more time with it and try to find some older sources to be sure about it. But according to preliminary searches I did about it, it could mean like sort of an, uh, a lot or much, or it could mean God actually as like a, it, an interjection or, um, what would you call it? Like an exclamation. Like uh, in older, according to, you know, according to internet etymology sources, which is always a bit sketchy, but it's like a euphemism for God, potentially. You'd be like, by gore (laughs) instead of by God. I don't know why that would be, but it's supposedly a British dialectical uh, interjection. So anyway, we also know, of course, like blood and gore. That's obvious. Should probably go without being said, but Wondagore is like knowledge of God, <laughs> that word, on the mount, the top of the pole, the throne at the top of the Axis Mundi. To me, that's like the fact that there's a throne for Sophia there, and that's her, to me is just like proving the, not proving, not proving, <laughs> but demonstrating that I'm at least correct that the ideology that I was laying out in the vibrant about palace, the goddesses of wisdom and the pole star and the mother being the father, you know, the demiurge and Sophia really being two sides of the same concept. Mm-hmm. The hermaphrodite, you know, to me, I think we're sh- being shown that that ideology is the interpretation for these cults that give us things like Hollywood, right? right? Because why else would they put a throne for Sophia at the top of Mount Wondagore, the, the Axis Mundi at the extreme North, right? I don't know why else you would. <laughs> to me, it seems pretty obvious. Yeah. You know, uh, she's even got like her little uh, Cholulu Chthonic monsters up here. Uh-huh. You know, know did you did you notice the arc of the tower is broken? There, it's missing its keystone out of the top of the arc. Well, that missing keystone that is that uh, the trapezoid on her neck, on her throat chakra, that is in the shape of Vision's uh, power stone. So she is the missing keystone to complete the tower there, symbolically. I also was reading today that they said the reason why Wanda has such expanded powers from when she first showed up in the Avengers movies was from her proximity to the Mind Stone when Vis- when she was around Vision. Wow. So it like uh, EMF radiated her into a superpower, greater superpower. Like unlo- yeah, like uh, accelerated latent powers, maybe. Is that a retcon in the storyline? Because that's not, I I don't remember that from the book. I mean, it's a movie thing, not a book thing for sure. Okay. All right. It's an explanation for why she went from being like a, you know, an average member of the team that just had some decent martial arts skills and could shoot red dust at people to absolute 
power demiurge status. Yeah. You know, because it is, she's not the same. This is not the same Wanda as in Avengers 2, Age of yeah. Ultron. You know, you could even say like her brother had to die first. And, that, you know, that was the end of that movie was when her brother died. And so after the trauma, now she's like, almost like she absorbs the badassness, uh, which is kind of what happens in the, in the womb with twins, strangely enough. That's cool. Yeah, well, so Wanda Gore, for me, uh, I think of uh, Cersei holding up the wand. Uh, I think of uh, church at the church committee, Frank Church holding up the HAG, the HAG, the Hagia, the Hag's head, the heart attack gun, which is the echidna juice that they shoot on people. So that's the wand of Cersei. And uh, Agor, that's Al Gol. That's the eye of Medusa. That's the uh, apple of discord. That is uh, Al Gol, Al Gore going around, turning turning people to stone, getting people stoned on fear and bad spirits, shall we say. Hmm. Uh, Which is all, uh, Al uh, Al Gol is the eye of Medusa that uh, is in the constellation of Perseus, uh, where he is holding up Medusa's head right between Aries and Taurus, mostly Aries, on the sun card. Now, her chthonic demon servants that have been waiting for her the whole time, actually, when they show up here, Wong specifically says that they have the the dark, the one Mount Wondergore, all this structure that the runes are written on the walls and the prophecy about the Scarlet Witch is uh, created by the first demon, Chthon. So a reference to the idea of chthonic entities, chthonic meaning underworld entities, which means the winter half of the Zodiac. Chthon is the other, one of the other trinity of gods in the, uh, in the, um, uh, it's the Vishanti, it's the opposite of the Vishanti. What's it called? Shoot. It's in my notes. Old notes from last time. Um, That's true. Dylan points out that the uh, order of the trapezoid was a, section of the Setian church, Michael Aquino church of Satan thing. Yep. A, like legitimate, a legitimate force in um, the United States military and everything. Oh yeah. Totally legit. And it hails back to Francis Bacon as well. Francis Bacon was a trapezoidal mofo. A demiurge in it of his own right, as they tell us, not a fan. Uh, so Chthonic, we're, we have Chthonic and we have Medusa. You know, this is the, the Vatica. This is the old Cersei. This is the, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? The Necro Necropolis. This is the Necropolis. You know, we have all the ingredients of what is hiding under uh, Vatica, the Vatican. It's all exalted. It's actually, um, yeah, it's exalted by the film. The film has lifted up the Medusa and put it at the top of at the throne of the this world, this realm. Uh, very interesting, the exaltation of Vatica. Yeah, and that idea of the underworld goddess, to me, even Ceres, would be an example of a Chthonic deity. Because we're talking about uh, seed. And what do seeds do? What's the KRN? It's a seed. 
<laughs> it's a, also a horn, also mm-hmm. radiance. Why would it have those three attributes? Because radiance is what the sun does, but the sun goes on an underworld journey. So to me, like Vatica and Ceres are probably the same being. Because what does Vatica have? She's an oh. underworld goddess. She's got horns. Does she's she got, not? Yep, she's got horns. She's holding. What does Wanda the- have? She's got horns. Yep. She's a KRN. What'd you find, Gordy? Oh, Cthone uh, was is one of the uh, the Trinity of gods. You know how uh, Vishanti is the is the good Trinity of sorcery. It's the um, it's Hogarth, Ashtar, and Agamotto. Oh, right. And in um, the Lords of Chaos is that Shuma Garoth, which is which is what they misattributed that first monster they called it a monster in in the book he was the god of chaos which is also cthulhu and cthon nice nice which uh is pretty much like the kraken it's like the, that one-eyed right. kraken monster basically mm-hmm. which is going to come into play in a little bit everybody keep, keep your ears open for that kraken thing because there was a lot of predictive programming uh, put into play with the fact that she was you uh, uh, controlling these monsters uh, that look like the Kraken. The Kraken from Mount Bracken. Release the Kraken! Release the Kraken! Where are we in the story now? We're now at the point where okay. they have been, speaking of trapezoids, <laughs> they're trapped, <laughs> in, these, trapped <laughs> in these cubes here by they're captured by the Illuminati after they drink the, the tea that knocked them out. The Tav that terminated their consciousness. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. They roofied a kid and now we got. They the roofied space. a kid. They roofied America. And now we got space Mexicans in cages. <laughs> yeah. We have a roofied, <laughs> roofing teenagers here. Yeah. Uh, and. Anyway, so they wind up in these cells and they find out Christine of this universe, which is Dr. Strange's ex-girlfriend, is like a super scientist. And she tells them, oh, we've got to keep you in these cubes because you may be carrying diseases we just don't have treatments for, of course. Oh, and they throw in radiation, too. Right. You could be radioactive, so you got to pump that contagion fear, whether it's through germs and viruses and or whether it's radio, you may be radioactive. Ooh. Right. <laughs> and then I just the next love, thing. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just love how like technologically advanced the, the culture seems to be. It's like the pinnacle of scientific accomplishment. <laughs> and she's still afraid of germs that she doesn't know about. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like they've just, uh, they've just made. What are germs? Whole- germs are what again? Fucking, See, what is it's a seed, bro? It's your brother. It's your it's yourself. <laughs> like so the like the germ, the underworld, the series, the seed, the Cathon. Yeah. You know, like it's so rife in everything in our language is to be don't get scared. Winter's coming. Watch out, winter's coming. Watch mm-hmm. out, winter's coming. It's like there's only one real archetypal fear to pump humans with. And that's fear of the dark. Right. You know, it's nighttime or it's winter. It's nighttime or it's winter. Predators out there, chthonic beings, 
you know, like it's shiny eyes, shiny red eyes of the predator that can see you at night. It's out at night. It's over and over again. And people that write even these stories probably don't even know that they're just carrying the exact same primal fear. And that's everything all, all the time, every conflict and every story. Cause just saying that, like what you just pointed out, you might be carrying diseases, even though they have some super scientific society in social justice world, the Illuminati controlling everything, they control it through the fear of the only fear we've ever had, which is of the germ, man. Be afraid yep. of the series. Be afraid of the Cathan. You know, be afraid of the night, be afraid of the winter, be afraid of the chaos. And the ger- the Germans are coming. It's like all the same. I hope people can see this. It's like all in the language, it's all the exact same concept or in a, in different guises. Big time. Yep. I even think of, uh, I'm starting to think of the seed as like your untapped potential also, you know. After looking at, after watching this again, though, this time, I really started to become a fan again. Like this, the second of, of, uh, did I miss a good comment? Um, of Sam Raimi. And I realized that he, yeah, exactly. Um, I realized <laughs> that, uh, not only is, that come at, into play again, the, the fear, the facing of our fears, but uh, this is a running theme in Sam Raimi movies of them fighting themselves um, in army of darkness. He does it. He does it too, which I'll get to that. But that brings me back to like, if you guys want to know why my screen name is that it's from this one scene. Um, Whoa. But uh it's it's the whole face your fears thing. And we'll get there when we get there in the movie. Nice. All right. Uh, what are, where are we? Where are we at, Chance? Got two hours in. <laughs> so much movie left. <laughs> Maybe a part three in order, oh but whatever. God. We're going to do, do our best. So yeah. this is this is the part where they announce the Illuminati will see you now. Well, yes, but I want to point this out too, uh, because if Steven is Eros, you know, mm. which is all HRS, which is mm-hmm. also where we get the Har, car- the carrier, the Lucifer, the mm, hand, the Greek word for hand, all these things are similar, the hidden hand. Mm-hmm. Well, they how do they identify that he definitely is Stephen Strange? They scan his hand, his hand, his the you know the yod, <laughs> the yod is the ID that he is the god that he is the solar savior. I thought that was pretty on the nose, as they put it. <laughs> yes, there's yeah. uh, something. Oh, oh, the cage. So his cage number is uh. D23, uh, which was also the cage number for uh, the Winter Soldier. He had cage number 23. And they, you know, if you go into the Easter egg thing, they'll say that it means something about the producer of a certain episode or something when they, oh, no, it's when Disney, Walt Disney World was initiated in the year 23. That's what they'll tell you. D is Disney, yeah. 23. But I just got to point That's out right. that 
it's also 23.4. And that's the alleged axial tilt of the planet, 23.4. The tilt of the planet, it's also TUV. It's TOV, TUV. And so the footing of the planet is at a 23.4 degree angle, which is uh, should be a pretty magical number if that's accurate. <laughs> that's also the uh, what Disney uses their their con. That's what they call their con is D two D twenty three. Really? Is instead of so there was too much Disney at uh, Comic Cons, so mm-hmm. they started their own con and they call it D two D twenty three. That is interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, some people could say it's like, you know, the ball. This is the ball. PSYOP is the 23. The, uh, you know, B.C. before Christ, uh, the Old Testament, the whole thing is a ball program. Uh, or if you're not into the idea that that is all a false construct, you could also believe that it's a very powerful number because it's uh, part of the angles of the realm. It's all. It's also twenty three. Um, it's also twenty three degrees above the equator is how far the sun progresses, and then begins its decline, and then it goes twenty three degrees below the equator as well. Twenty three point four in both directions. So regardless of an axial tilt, it is the degree of progression of the sun on the analema up and down. I missed that last comment. Oh, you Dylan was just pointing out all the different things relating to that C. Or HRS or CHRS, Charis mm-hmm. is grace. That's basically no different than, um, it's like an anagram for <laughs> Crestus, <laughs> or where you get Crestus, good in Greek, good in grace, or back to the same thing. It's like if you take out the vowels, you're, you're getting pretty similar yeah. stuff. Anyway, he brings up Charis, Eucharist, um, words pertaining to Christ, hand, the maker. You know, the creator is a maker, which is the idea of the demiurge craftsman is in wow. there. Wow. So his and play, his that also encodes Charon and Chiron, the ferryman and the teacher. Uh, oh. All of these words are encoded with the HRS and the CHR. Dude, that's, he's partaking. Your hands are how you partake. His partakers are taken apart. His Charons are broken. He's a wounded, he's the wounded healer. Well, he's the Chiron. Yeah, he's Chiron. He's the wounded healer. Just like showing his trauma. Where, where, how did Christ prove that he was risen? Yes. What did he show? Showed the holes in his hand. That's right. Oh my gosh. Wow. This is, that's a, this is a good one. I like this a lot. So you are defined by your trauma. You're, Mm -hmm. you identify as your trauma in the state. And the state will be the same. Trauma makes you who you are. And the state will reinforce that. Mm -hmm. That is profound. And as long as you're not addressing it authentically, you're going to keep repeating the same bullshit. You're going to keep getting sucked in. When you address it authentically, you talk truth about it. It's like, I'll I'll talk about it later on when we get there. You know, I don't know, man. This could be a good point for it. From the theosophical. From the theosophical perspective, they might be saying that if you don't resolve your trauma in this lifetime, you'll come back to a parallel reality and you'll have the same trauma. It just might be on the left side or it might be in a different direction. That's exactly right. Like later on, he he uh, we're not there in the movie yet, but we might as well just throw it out. 
when he has to talk to himself just before the big wizard duel, he, uh, he says he's addressing his dark self, the defender self or whatever the, he goes into the, uh, this is pretty far ahead, I think from where we are, but he finally confronts himself. He has to confront his, his own there, the three eye self just before this, he goes, how do I know it's you? All right. He says, he says, I'm, I'm you from a, the, from the, are you from the multiverse? He says, and he says, yes. And he says, how do I know it's you? And he says, because we had a sister that died and they, he spills their trauma. Sesta. So, and he has to, talk to himself and address his trauma in this. And this is what gets them to fight. Well, they actually, they don't address it. He says, but we don't talk about we that. We don't talk we? about that. Exactly. That's why in his, they fight. In his other self says, that's correct. We aren't going to talk don't. about our sesta. We're not going to talk about the placenta, the twin, the other half. And we're going to have a, a, a jerk, jerk. We're going to fight each other. Two brothers, hermanos. Uh, brother on brother. Wow. And that it was a frozen lake and it was his, he felt like it was his fault because she fell in the, she fell through the ice. Nice. Uh, Dylan's, I love what Dylan just said here. Best quick fix for resolving trauma. Get in the gym and lift heavy weights. Oh, I yeah. added heavy. <laughs> uh, nice. but, I mean, cause at the end of the day, the stuff, the trauma, is stored in the body in the energy field yeah it helps in the body and if you're basically whenever you address the idea of trying to get stronger making the authentic effort to get stronger and what it will actually take to do that it requires many different axes of lifestyle change Mm -hmm. dietary behavioral etc you know so that is part of you know that will that will do a huge number on addressing the trauma in a, a quick way. If you are doing the most uh, optimized strength in inducing behavior and activity, you know, you'll have to clear up stuff that is holding you back in the body to do that. And the trauma will naturally, you know, tra- trauma is weakening you whenever it's not addressed. And so if you get stronger, you're addressing trauma. It's like, they're like these, it's hard to describe maybe in simple terms like that, or maybe it is easy and I'm just doing a bad job, but <laughs> I got something, I got some, I got some for this. Definitely. Uh, I would add to on top of what uh, our brother just laid down. He is correct. I would be careful of too much uh, strength building in that fashion. It is also paramount that you, in the immortal words of Britney Spears, shake it off. You got to <laughs> shake it off, bro. You got to shake it off. You got to go get busy. You got to shake it off. You got to get down. You go get a lady, you shake it off. Uh, that's well, what that's actually, do. the shake is actually real. Like, uh, oh shit. <laughs> when you see, when you see a deer almost <laughs> get hit by a car, it's oh, it shit. You see that animals that. that just had some close call. They will do like a full body shutter and then they'll that's just it. go back about their business. There's that's like, it. You know, there is a technique that I believe the army uses too, to uh, a, tra- a trauma release technique. I, I don't remember what it's called, but it involves like 
shake, literally like inducing a shaking, a full right. body shake. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a, there is a version of, of Qigong that is a shaking Qigong that that's a good starter also. Nice. Um, before we get too far, your, your third eye there reminds me of that. This scene, it shows his third eye. Now I don't, now in a third eye, you know, we know that, that it's seeing beyond and, and uh, an integration of yourself. But in this case, um, I believe it's a symbol of godlike paranormal um, powers, like godlike powers. He's, he's ascended his black mastery to another level that the other doctor is not at yet, but he's yeah. in the dark. Right. Well, we're we're jumping ahead onto the duel, though. We got to go back to the courtroom. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Because, like, and that's 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 important because the courtroom in the material is like a initiation in and of its own right. In the next duel after that, will be on that spiritual plane, like what Gordy's saying there. I missed that one. Shit, my little phone, man. You got a super chat, Owen Benjamin, for quoting Britney Spears and Taylor Swift. You have to <laughs> yeah. get your hetero booster shot. That's uh, that's what super chatting sending sending Owen Benjamin money is a hetero booster shot, nice. and uh, you got to do it. You're my other, getting dangerously high on the Tate scale. My other favorite form of shaking it off is uh, you know getting on the mats, you know whooping some ass, getting your ass whooped, dish it out. It's a good way yeah. to shake it off too. Nothing nothing feels better than beating the fuck out of somebody and then. Uh, uh, <laughs> loving each other more for it in a completely oh, heterosexual God, fashion. Just you know, what's the word? Stro- strogi? Strogi? In a strogiest fashion. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's one of the things that's been emasculated out of society is that this idea that all conflict is bad. But, uh, you know, the dynamic of the masculine energy, the, even the Martian energy is such that when healthy, you and I should be able to like criticize each other, fight with each other, you know, and five seconds later, zero resentment was ever there because all that happened was we were both holding our ground about what we thought was correct. It didn't mean that we like each other any less. We're just like holding, holding the ground, holding your line. That's like, um, that is one thing that's way way lost on uh, modern modern males or or females like just that that's part of masculine energy and it's not evil in much the same way uh, anyway this is getting too far in the weeds we need <laughs> we need to continue on um, the illuminati will see you now the illuminati will see you now that is where we left off in a chronological order sort of we have kind of jumped around but yeah, Christine has red hair as well. I don't know if we make anything of that. Um, I'm sure there's something to be made of that. I'm just trying to find a good screenshot. I sorry that I was a slacker and I did not harvest screenshots. Oh, I got I got one for you here, Chance. You know, red well, hair. He's actually taken to see the Illuminati by, of course, the robots. What did you say was a uh, Biden's middle name? Robinette. Robinette. Robonette. The Robonette. The Illuminati world, the social justice world, of course, has robots as the 
main workers for the Illuminati, henchmen, whatever you want to call them. So transhumanism. This is a callback to Age of Ultron, the second Avengers movie. And I guess in this universe, Ultron never went crazy and they were able to actually control it and use it. Chance, is that the actual film? Can you like go back and forth on a like, yeah. Okay. Can you just go back ever so slightly from that? The opening scene of him walking with the Borgs, the camera is focused in on the corner, uh, the cornerstone, which is a huge cube. So as the Borgs are marching him into the courtroom, the camera starts the scene focused in on this huge uh, cube shape, which is uh, brings forth the Yod. This isn't it, but I find it interesting what this building looks like as well. In, is that a capital insurrection about to happen? <laughs> this is supposed to be in social justice world, New York, but you have those four in each of the four corners of this building, which is a cube. You have one of those. Uh, what is it? Kyboriums that we brought up in the first first uh, version of this. You're right. And they make a big kyboriums. and they make one big Kyborium, all four of them put together. Yeah, just thought that we needed to look at that image. But let me find what you're talking about. Is this not it? Is it a little further? Just a smidge past that. Like they go up those steps. It's not important. I just noticed it because I, you know, because I'm always looking for the the nitty gritty. But yeah, they show you a big cube block of the temple, the cornerstone of the temple as the robots come into the scene. And so there's a Borg, a cube and a cornerstone, uh, you know, potentially indicating that, you know, the master plan is for fucking cybernetics basically. But, uh, uh, we all know that it's nothing we don't already know. So yeah, he walks, uh, he's walking into the, uh, the courtroom, the chamber here. Yeah, yep, and maybe this is time to talk about what these Illuminati members might represent. Oh, yeah. Because first of all, this is inversion world. So first of all, got to point out that we have Captain America is now a chick. And, and so that's like implying that in inversion world and Illuminati grabbler world, military leadership is by women. We'll see how that works out. Uh, for the Illuminati here in a moment. Um, Captain Marvel is basically, you know, when you see Captain Marvel over here in the corner uh, until this character speaks, I was quite convinced that that was a guy, actually. But it's, uh-huh. uh, it is a female. So Captain Marvel has just gotten a gender flip and possibly a sexual preference or a pronoun flip. <laughs> uh, so inversion world continues. And um, I guess maybe that's it. <laughs> we don't see, we don't see any of the others other than Carl Mordo, who's kind of similar. I guess his, his flip is that he's one of the good guys, theoretically, or he's on the t- team hero or whatever. So Gabe, do you want to get into your thoughts on that? You shared with me the other night on, this courtroom scene. Yeah, buddy. You know, I do. First of all, wait, don't go anywhere yet. 
Look at the shadow behind him. Does that look like a skyscraper to you? Mm. The, the shadow on the wall? They flash it. About, yep. They flash twin tower shadows like seven times through this through this scene. Uh, and it's very subtly uh, placed backing. It's backing up this council of people. Uh, so the sh- this operation is in the shadow of Oh no, did we lose Gabe again? I forgot that he's frozen tonight a little bit. Yeah. Um, any second he's going to pop back in. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> That's some good noticing of the background that yeah. the shadows. Gosh. She just looks I, terrifying, though. The Captain America, buff Captain America no. female. Also, I noticed this is this is an, an inversion of the outside. Also, when in this universe that the outside is very colorful and the people are all uh, in dull colors and grays and, and grayscales inside the building, the heroes are colorful, but the whole building and the whole uh, structure is grayscale and it's strict brutalism. There's like it's all like raw concrete and raw steel and raw glass. There's no, there's not a lot of ornaments. There, it's not a lot of, you know, organic structure. There's no, there's no round corners in this at all. It's all like angles, hard, concrete, gray. All right. Take it away, dude. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome. Right back. On. So, um, on my first pass, I actually made a bunch of graphics uh, to bring forward. I'll just kind of uh, put my first layer down because uh, it's it's fun enough as it is. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I ciphered out that the characters of this council are the living embodiment of the amendments one through seven. And in fact, I could expand out from there even a little more. Um, but each member represents one of our uh, constitutional rights. And it's encoded not only in their superpower, but it's also encoded in their the dialogue that they use and even how they die. Uh, but I've made some graphics. I put some graphics together that will uh, maybe put forward my theory and I may be wrong, but some of these might not be right, but I'm pretty sure it's a very fascinating theory and it gives a new lens to in, uh, appreciate the film. So you can take these ideas, you know, put them in your pocket. And if you watch the film again, or for the first time, you maybe consider, is it possible that these characters are the embodiment of constitutional powers? Uh, so that was my first layer. And I thought I was done. I had made all the graphics, but then I listened to you and Juan and Mario do your breakdown on the, uh, on uh, sacred architecture. And um, you guys were digging in on oh, you the mean Ro- Romy, not Mario. Oh, oh, my bad. Homie Romy. Oh, Those my bad. Good. My bad. My bad. Yeah. With the sacred architecture in the uh, resonance. Uh, and you guys were talking about, the rotunda in the mural at the top of the rotunda. And so while I was listening to you guys do uh, uh, put that show forward, 
I was doing research on the rotunda. And sure enough, I shit you not, I found all of the characters in the rotunda corresponding with the characters in the courtroom scene. And isn't it quite fascinating that we're in a courtroom scene, we're dealing with constitutional characters, and they are Greek mythological correspondences as well. And the care in characters is like chair and is like they're, hand. They're, yep, they're enthroned. And it's like car. Uh, they're in, enthroned. Anyway. Yep, they're it's chair actors. Things. They're chair actors, right? So they're enthroned in this persona, basically. And so this is uh, uh, this graphic that I put together uh, is uh, kind of a summation of these Greek images from the rotunda of the Washington building superimposed into their position on this council. And so I'm going to do just a quick riff and I'm going to go. We're going to do this Hebrew style. We're going to start on the right and we're going to roll over to the left. So we're starting uh, with Mordo over there. Mordo is correspondent with Hephaestus. If you, can you zoom in on him at all, Chance? Mordo is Hephaestus. Uh, the Black, what's his name? Black Bolt? Yeah, Black Bolt. Yep, Black Bolt is this uh, Virgo with her horn and her sheaf of wheat here because he's he doesn't speak. He abstains uh, from speaking or else. So he's got to be the First Amendment. You got saying. it. You're all, you're ahead of me already. Yep, you got it. So the next one over. Um, I, I, <laughs> I didn't even know there's this layer of the characters from the, the rotunda, the apotheosis of George Washington. It needs to be pointed out that that's Lumashi. That is constellation writing. They are, yeah, you know, future generations might see that artifact of the rotunda fresco, the apotheosis of George Washington, and get real confused about if we believe that was real history or not. Because all the other examples of what we are given as history are taken from things like that. And then we say, Yes, they believed that this was literally their history. <laughs> and maybe they were teaching it as literally, literally their history. You know, pharaohs and emperors and kings and their divine rights and their apotheosis becoming a constellation themselves, ascending to godhood. People supposedly worshiping and worshiping kings and emperors as gods. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what will be considered about us and our founding fathers which like that whole story to me i don't have like ammunition to defend this but to me i'm just extremely sus of everything in that time region if it's even remotely accurate for for all we know there could have been a revolutionary war a rebellion and this our side could have lost and had the east empire company installed as its government while the people were told you won your revolution here's your new government yeah but they know that's, that's exactly just a wild wild ass idea i i know that could be just way off if you but no, that's, that's what, what that's, comes to mind that's what they did with dr strange in this in this world they were like yeah you guys want dr strange let's make a statue and then they exactly. fucking took him out right that's exactly what this is all about y'all that's what it's all about now hold on i want to point this out chance one thing that this means is that these characters on the rotunda 
are immortal. They're still alive. These egregores are alive and well, and we are passing them on. And so it is very helpful to have a full grasp of their implications and recognize them when we see them because they are integral to the law of the realm. And so mastery over them is how you become uh, fucking Stephen Strange and to get one of these crazy little eyeballs on your head like this one right here. So, <laughs> so I don't know who that chick with the shield is. I actually, I don't have a clue. So maybe, you know, I got some ascending to do myself. The character Sharon Carter. Oh, this character with the shield. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about female Captain America. Of course, you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm not sure who that painting is of. She has an eagle next to her. She's got like a Phrygian cap with stars. She looks like Lady Liberty, maybe. Columbia? Well, maybe Lady Liberty. She's got a Phrygian cap. I was about to pull up, though. I mean, she's directly under Jupiter. I mean, Washington. Yeah. So to me, it could be a Minerva Palace Athena. Okay, nice. And I mean, because who she's a warrior goddess, so there's that. I'm just trying to find a big enough, large, large picture of the apotheosis of George Washington because we can never look at you can never look at that too much. It's fucking crazy. That's that's uh Captain America's original original shield, too. No, shit. exactly what it is. When I did not fucking know that before, before it was round, it was the before it was the vibranium round one. They That's showed true. in the first movie uh, that in the fake or the one, the stage version that they do of him, he has that shield. But in the, in the original uh, Captain America, it looks like that. That's a trip and a half, y'all. I did not know that. So, yeah, I think we got Lady Liberty. Isn't it so hard to, like, take it all in? It's 4,664 square feet. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is an 11-11 in code by the way do people well know not an 11-11 yeah it is do people know or, what it, this is the the apotheosis of George Washington this, this is on the, the US Capitol building rotunda on the ceiling and it's over yeah. 4,600 feet Real they, covered, they covered it with uh, Juan and Romy just recently so they went pretty in never cover it again enough, dude. Yeah. This is wild shit right here. Yeah. This is Lumashi. This is this what is Lumashi, we're y'all. We are reading the heavens. So uh, can you go back to the picture and like the next one over is uh uh what's her name? Uh Captain Marvel. Yeah, though basically Minerva's coming from the legs of Jupiter. If you look at how they're lined up. So I don't know. Right, yeah, like, she was, like she was born out of his thigh or something, right? Huh? Yeah, but she's born out of his forehead in some versions of the myth as well. But oh, okay, you know, there's things being born out of Jupiter, Ptah's legs and head and thighs and all the parts <laughs> in different mythologies. So, just find it interesting because, like, there's the vertical column that they share. But yeah. someone's probably already written on on this entire thing in depth and can tell us exactly who each of these characters are, but they could be wrong in a sense that this could be like the new version of old characters. And so different attributes. So we got captain Marvel. There is clearly mercury, no doubt with the, you know, the, uh, the switching. And she even does a switch from, uh, from, uh, white to black. You know, she does that, uh, 
it's got the androgyny going on, uh, male to female switch over. And then who is the smartest man alive? Benjamin fucking Franklin. And what oh, yeah. does so Reed, that would be Dr. or uh, Reed Richards, the Reed Mr. Richards fantastic his, from the fantastic four. Who was also Jim from the office. Franklin. So what uh, remember his introduction scene, his initiation scene when Reed Richards comes into the room, he, uh, he is brought into the room from some sort of like cosmic prism machine. It's like a, a, a square uh, flat uh, transporter opens up and he appears magically. Look closely at what Benjamin Franklin looks like right there. He's standing at the end of the rainbow bridge talking to, uh, I think, maybe Athena. But there's also this magical glass device that looks like uh, it looks to me like a uh, an audio. Uh, what do they call those? It's a device you can listen from f- far away. Oh, yeah. The ear, the, like the old ear horns that they used to use. But no, the ones they use today in the NFL. The one those glass plates that they can listen from a long, far distance to get the crack oh. of the. Uh, it's uh, so this it's like is the sixteen by sixteen magic square of Ben Franklin. Is this what you're saying? <laughs> oh shit, dude! I bet it is a magic square of Ben Franklin. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a trip, man? So this yeah. is the smartest man alive, and it's repping repping Ben Franklin on the rotunda. And then, can you, if you go back to the other picture, uh, uh, Professor X, who we've already established is like a uh, um, Ignatius Loyola, the the wounded healer who you know is raising an army of uh, youths. It's totally a Chiron, uh, Ignatius Loyola Inco P, Professor X. That's the Pyron, the Pyro of the uh, of the Papacy. He does appear to be their leader. So, in terms of this being a pantheon, he is like a Jupiter character, and. The four by four magic square is the Jupiter one. I don't know. He's from the Fantastic Four, the FF, the four by four. And four, he's six the leader. Uh huh. He's the leader. Magic square of Jupiter is the four by four magic square. So just throw that out there. I don't know. I'm trying to think like you do. It's hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm still not sure. I think it is Athena that Benjamin Franklin's talking to. She's holding a spear. It could, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it is he's talking to. I think it's Athena. Uh, but they're doing experiments. Like, it's a really interesting image there, the one with Benjamin Franklin. And then so Professor Xavier is uh, embodying Neptune because Neptune has the Poseidon, the trident, right? And it gives him mastery over uh, the water. Well, Professor Xavier is a mastery of the consciousness, the inner world, the inner realms of the mind. Very much what astrology associates Neptune with, like psychic abilities and hidden reaches of the psyche itself. Right. So it's PSI. It's... uh, it's the psi, the psyche. And that's, a, that's actually the symbol in Greek, you know, the psi. Well, 
All right. So wasn't oh. we should we continue on this like amendments or should we just sort of leave that thread? What I think is I, crucial is that back to straw man, public, private, these illegal realm ideas, placenta sorcery, all of the Black's Law dictionary that we can tie into the dark hold. I think that is a relevant read to think about here, like what is happening here. They're asking him in this courtroom if he's Dr. Stephen Strange. You know, they're not, they know who he is by his appearance. They know who the living man is, but they want to know, are you the demon? Because in their universe, Stephen Strange, the id entity, the identity, is destroying other worlds, other parallel universes by his careless, reckless usage of his straw man. You know, he's driving it poorly. (laughs) Or you could say he's actually one of these agent provocateurs, in a sense. You know, he's being called, you could look at it like an agent provocateur who uses uh, legal protections to knock down other countries, like CIA agents funded right to do these type of things um and he's like having to go to court for something the straw man did you know but was it him that did it or his identity there's a lot of ways to look at this you maybe are thinking of even a better analysis out there at home or you gabriel or gordy but my point is that like we should look at this courtroom scene through that lens and what we can derive out of it may be interesting big time i'm thinking pre-crime he hasn't even done anything wrong. He's guilty by association is another one. Because you look like that guy, you must be guilty. He doesn't even have a chance to commit a crime. Well, uh, that and he hasn't, <laughs> I don't know. He's got the same name, but he's not the same man. Like to right. me, that's everything about legal sorcery. Like right. you're being charged in the name of the straw man. You know, the, the man was never involved. <laughs> right. And the straw man is dead. The straw man is a dead entity already. Yeah. Yes. And later on, when Strange has his apotheosis, you could say, where he learns to transcend from the public from to the private again, the private being the feminine side, the yoni, the womb, the underworld, tomb of winter, all the sun gods withdraw into a cave for three days or three years or, or something along those lines before they raised from the dead. And what does he do at the end of the movie? He can't get back to his universe. He gets separated from America later and he can't get back to the original universe. So he does the dark hold. He does the dark hold spell to dreamwalk back into the corpse of his multiverse self that got deposited in the garden as a seed, a seed under the ground buried. Yep. And rises again. <laughs> he rises out of the cave. A dead body, which he controls. An, a financial instrument. A corporation. He's speaking through a dead body. He he takes control of the corpse oration. Dude, it's like, I mean, when you know that that part of the plot happens, that he rises from the dead and controls a zombie to <laughs> do his battle in the public, <laughs> And he's even protected in that scene by a feminine, which is the public side, the the, the Oni, the right, right. 
Yeah, there's a lot to all that. I'm sure that we need to break it down more, but let me kick it away to kick pass the ball, somebody. <laughs> well, we can we can rip through some of these graphics real quick to like kind of substantiate the constitutional association to each character real quick. I got a, I shot you First Amendment with a, a black ball. Bolt. And I just threw black bolt. Bolt, black bolt. Uh, and I just threw in the, you know, the matrix initiation here. This really being interesting, you bringing up it being the first amendment, it's black bolt is also technically the most powerful one because with a cough, he could destroy creation. Right. And And what comes first in the beginning was the word and his power is his speech. Yep. Just by talking, it would just like annihilate anybody that, heard his voice he has such too powerful you know, of a of a logos i remember thinking that as as a kid in church that logos was the word like what if what if black bolt was jesus like anti-jesus so you like blew it'd up be anti-logos because instead of the life coming from yeah. his word death comes from it yeah and what if yeah, jesus so he's like anti-christ the... basically <laughs> he's like an yeah. anti-christ exactly so so yeah, I put you can see my little emoji uh, graphic up there. So it's uh, the First Amendment gives us the ability to protest, and so that's why I put the little you know the the voice horn on there, and also the picket sign. You know, it gives us the ability to protest, and then you got the asshole with the little mask on there. But also another ingredient to the First Amendment that has there's something kind of fractal going on here, and I just want to I want to just mention it now. Because it's like a seed here embedded in the First Amendment. But it, something has happened, y'all. Something has happened to the nature of law that we have. Uh, I don't think anybody's thought of until, in, until now. I, I feel like this is an original thought. But just consider that the printing press is also enshrined in the First Amendment. Because that's going to pop out in a whole new light in just a second. Uh, so First Amendment... Uh, Includes the printing press. That's going to be an important factor. And I guess we should stay in order. Uh, Who's my second amendment? Oh, oh, no, never mind. I don't have to go very far because here you go, Chance. Second amendment is Reed Richards. Reed Richards is the second amendment. He is the rubber armed man. He's the rubber armed man. His rubber arms got 3D printed to death. And this is where something crazy has happened between the First and the Second Amendment. Your Second Amendment is the right to bear arms, but now your arms can be printed. Your guns can be printed now. So something well, guns can be printed and even the idea of like a royal crest, royal arms. Yes. You know, it's so much easier fabricated and people don't even really use their arms. But, you know, things can be printed really easily as opposed to real world artifacts that are more proof of some kind of, <laughs> I don't know, history. Yes. The right to so, bear arms is also like the right to have history, to have your own history. Uh-huh. It's very alchemical that by separating people from ancestral memory, 
and being able to go back very far. And the, the bearing of arms represents all this. You also are, you know, imitating the idea of a mind wipe on reincarnation, <laughs> you know, like in the macro micro level, this is the alchemy, the great work being failed because the ancestral memory, the salt is not retained. So it's a societal uh, sabotage of the alchemical process of the great work, which would naturally unfold if our rights were actually, you know, if we bore our own rights <laughs> rather than the piece of paper, the paper C telling us the rights, bearing the rights, you know, we've transferred of title. <laughs> we've titled our rights and put transfer them to paper. And they're not, <laughs> it's not the same as soon as you do that, because now authority is granting you truth rather than you knowing what's right and wrong for yourself. So I'm sure we'll see Gabriel return in just a second, but the right to bear arms is, I, I think, also a history thing for sure. Sorry about that. Family history. My phone is all clunky. So. It's going pretty well. Just a couple of disconnects. We're we're getting right through this. <laughs> There's only so, five more probably amendments <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> so think about the fact if he represents the print, the press, uh, and the right to bear arms, then what she did to uh, to wipe him out is she just exhausted his ammunition. She just spent him in the first in the first uh, the first salvo, if you will. Uh, but he also, I just want to point this out. I think that he also represents the ends of court in uh, in the city of London. I think he is representing the Lord Mayor, which everybody should consider that the Lord Mayor of the city of London is, uh, by definition, fascism. He is a corporation in complete control of the government. Uh, so uh, in every single possible way, the Lord Mayor is fascism. And here we have uh, Reed Richards is running government and science and a corporation called the Baxter Foundation. So he's fascism. He's the Lord Mayor. He's all things bad. A lot of bad news in that one. One simple. <laughs> the top, the top of the pyramid, top of the Illuminati pyramid. Right, and and he's the smartest that, man to alive. Me, that just that idea connecting it to Second Amendment accentuates the whole idea for bearing arms also pertaining to family because it's his family, the Richards family that really runs the corporation. Oh, right. And that's arms. Is you know, your he family bears crap? his arms. He, he, he's a, he may be a superhero, but everyone knows his straw man identity name. Everyone knows his surname. He's not like a, a Spider-Man hiding it. <laughs> he's yeah, fully yeah. operating in the public as a corporate person. Yeah. And running it all as a corporation. That's a good point. Isn't that a trip? Isn't that a trip? Yeah. So next is the Third Amendment. Uh, in this one, uh, I gave to... Uh, okay, oh Dylan, God. we got to read this gravy. As I'm editing book five, check this gravy. The Celtic name for miracle, Mior Bale, or Mior Bail, basically. The finger Bail, yeah. Muir Bail, the finger of Bell. Whence comes the French Marve and English Marvel? Wow. Yeah. That's like Marvel. Marvel Marvel comic. Yeah. A finger of Bell, you know, that's one finger of 10 
one of the odd that's like the archetypes, the pantheon, the marvels. That actually all fits pretty interesting. Good gravy. Nice. Nice. And the broken yeah. fingers on <laughs> the hands, broken marvels. These Very are all the broken version of their superheroes that he's running into here, too. Okay, so just free association spitball here. Uh, Mar and Vel is uh, that's hammer and anvil. Uh, you're breaking up the you're breaking up the implements of Hephaestus here. Mar and anvil. You smush them together. You refuse them craftily, and you get marvel. So that's very interesting because uh, because Hephaestus's other name was ambidexter. So there's a lot to that. Uh, that's very interesting, Dylan. Uh, yeah, we're there's a lot more to flush out of that. But yeah, ambidexter, Hephaestus, and the fingers, pretty far out, pretty far out stuff. So amendment number three is uh, I'm thinking, Professor Xavier. Do you think maybe you could give a quicker, give us a bit of a quicker run through on the amendments? Well, I, I, I like kind of need. I kind of need the visuals because they give the. No, no, yeah, we can do the visuals, but maybe try to go like maybe let's try to move through them a little bit. I'll try not to jump too much into it. I just say because I think for terms of like landing the plane, how I want to do this is get to you know the end of these broken marvels, and we'll call Mm -hmm. that a good intermission. Maybe like there we go between Act Two and Three. Might not be exact in terms of the movie division, but the latter, you know, Act Three is always mostly action in the Marvel right. film. And so there's a lot of skippable time in terms of analysis or less relevant. So yeah, well, maybe I like wrap it there and just do a, see if we can do a part three as well. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. But you know, this, this is what caught me up. This whole, this whole realization on the courtroom scene is where a lot of my research really uh, stuck on. So on the tail end, I'll just, uh, I'll just be coasting with you guys, but yeah. So we got the third amendment is, uh, no, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house. So this is basically uh, exactly what a professor Xavier does is he makes sure that you are in control of your house um, in that internal realm. Uh, and it's also very telling that he runs a mansion full of soldiers. You know, he's got a child army living in his home. So all these aspects of the third amendment are, not just in this movie, but in the entire character of Professor Xavier, he embodies the Third Amendment. Uh, so it bleeds into other uh, storylines as well. And I'm just seeing that hand reaching out. I'm now I can't think anything but the finger of Bell. Now uh-huh. these Marvels are the fingers of Bell. They're the and different that- characters that Bell, the great confounder, plays as it moves oh. throughout the year. Right. And, you know, Gordy said it in our last show, Gordy said the magic isn't in the ass. Magic is in the hands. And I love that. And I'm, I'm uh, finding that to be more true than I ever. It's not in the ass. It's not in the ass. <laughs> it's in the hands. Yeah, you know, unless you're in Hollywood, that's the belief. Or you're Crowley. The magic is in the butt. That's always their thing. Yep. So Fourth Amendment uh, is Captain Marvel. Uh, Fourth Amendment is... Uh, right of the people to be secure in their person's papers and effects. And yeah, we're going to have to a little bit more touch on this moment for sure. Where in amendment three here, the psychic space, the mind space is uh, we enter into that parallel universe. It gives a lot of weight to what Gordia said about 
the alternate universe is really just being dream space. Right. Right. Uh, one of the, yeah, <laughs> no. I like, I like Gordy's take on it. One thing I would like to put onto the multiverse theory is it's not just, uh, I think it's also lies. I think lies create a labyrinth of parallel realities. So that's another metaphor I see uh, shining through in there. So yeah, here's oh, Rambo. Man, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we could expand on that a lot. <laughs> right. Lie, uh, the parallel, whatever. The multiverse is a maze of lies. So here we go. Rambo. Her name is Rambo. She is a rainbow. She is secure in her sexuality. She's secure in her persons, papers, and effects. That's your PPE. That's your mask. That's the mask is PPE. And while she's fighting Wanda, she gets her mask ripped away. Her security in her person's papers and effects, she loses her person. Her mask gets ripped off and then she dies under uh, a graven image. She gets killed. She gets secured under a statue is what kills her. So she is the Fourth Amendment. She's a rainbow. Statue, which is another word for corporate policy masquerading as law. The graven image. She dies under a graven image. Yep. Uh, it's all written in stone, right? So yeah, she's a Rambo. She's a rainbow. They're totally militarizing the LGBT community. And uh, amendment number five. <laughs> this is really awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. You went over this for me. Um, oops. Okay. You went over this for me in some messages, but yeah, clearly you've given this some thought. The rainbow and Rambo militarized LGFSQP probably flagged Al Gore's rhythm just for saying that. That's right. Don't forget the subtext. Read the, read the fine print on that plus. <laughs> so this is amendment number five, and this is your right not to self-incriminate. This is crazy. This is some Lumashi fucking punning if ever I've seen it. Because her last words before she dies, she spits blood and says, I could do this all day. Then she gets cut in half and she inks her remnant. She bleeds down on her other half. Now, this is... Uh, Self-incrimination. Wow. Self-incriminated. <laughs> now listen closely. I'm going to read this one all the way through. And I just want you guys to think about her death scene, getting cut in half, bleeding over herself, falling down. She's self-incriminated. But listen for the puns in the actual amendment. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service or in time of war, public danger, nor shall any person be subject to the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled. So she survived one attack and then she was twice in jeopardy and she couldn't be put in jeopardy twice. So she was cut in half. Nor shall any be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. Nor be deprived of life, liberty, property. She is liberty. She's Lady Liberty. Without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Compensation. She gets her shield given back to her. She also was running around silently in the, in the battle. She was remaining silent. She was practicing her right to remain silent. Well, interesting, the two that she's killed by her own shield. It's like 
our own def- attempts to defend our liberty are causing, are bouncing back on us in terms of like, you know, they want a rebellion. They want to instigate violence. They want to instigate fighting of some kind because that gives them the ability to just reflect violence and reflect the power of the state back onto anyone who would resist. So, you know, you get have, what I'm saying here. Yeah, she's, they have by, she's the fighter. She's fighting for her own liberty and she's killed by her own defense, her own attempt yep. to defend herself. Because they have a monopoly on violence. That is what government is. Nothing more, nothing less. Sheer hypocrisy. Who has, who has monopoly on violence, though? It's Vatica. Vatica. <laughs> it's this Which, dark ma. Dark Vatica, uh, serpent ma. Hagia Sophia. Naghamadi Biatch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, she's in there. She's in the mix. I, I got her. I got her in there, too. Uh I'm going to try to read the chat. I hope I don't get zapped out, but I sent you the next one for number six. I'll try, I'll try to make sure and bring you up any that you need to see. And then, you, you know, the rest just jump into maybe in the replay. And that, Cause I want to get us, I want to try to get us land in the plane sooner than later. <laughs> Three hours is good Four four hours is good. It's really pushing it. Oh, he's jumping out. Okay, he is trying to read the comments. All right, well, he's back. And oh my gosh, still figuring this out. Thanks for all this uh, forethought, man. You've really been crushing this episode. All right, right on. Yeah, this. I mean, yeah, it's so much goes through my mind on in a daily basis. It's hard to keep it all together. It's it's a a huge relief to be done thinking about this. The British also are. Back to uh, Captain America right here. It's She's wearing the British flag, right? So is that leading us to think what I said earlier? Because America the American is flag is basically the British, you know, East India Company flag. And it is a corporation, the federal government, like the East India Company. Yeah. Like what's, I, and, uh, you know, the banking aspect of it is run in London. And the banks seem to be the most powerful force of influencing the Washington, D.C. It's not like Vatican directly influences Washington, D.C. It's like Vatican, London, D.C. It's like on a line. So anyway. Yeah. I have a theory that red, white, and blue is Zoroastrian, and that the white, green, and red is Mithraic. And I think there is a fundamental divergence there. And that's just uh, something that could be expanded out on. But I could point that out that red, white, and blue, I think, is Zoroastrian. Oh, man. So Baron Mordo. Baron Mordo. Uh, amendment number six criminal proceedings. I mean, even at the part where they're out having their battle in the, with the robots, he's like, when things get back, I'm going to vote myself. And then he's like, okay, I've made my decision. So he's commander of the, uh, you know, master of ceremonies. Uh, definitely the Sixth Amendment. Uh, and he also is Hephaestos. Like, uh, early in the film when he's fighting Stephen for the first time, he just, like, starts busting out weapons. You know, he pulls out that staff and starts fighting him with the staff. And then he's got the shoes. So he's got all these crafty devices. And that's Hephaestos, uh, Vulcan, uh, the god of the forge. Fates becomes fates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, Baron Carl Mordo is Hephaestos and the Sixth Amendment. And so I think that Doctor Strange is the seventh 
himself. That's the empty seat on the council. And he's not taking part in the process. He's removed himself from the process. That's why that seat is empty. I think Dr. Strange is amendment number number seven. I did not make a graphic for that, but it's just a theory. Uh, people can take it or leave it. But I'm that definitely sense. he was on the he was on the Illuminati. He was one of the main main right. ones in the comic. Yeah. yeah. So he's not partaking in his remedy. He's absent from his own remedy. He should be in that throne. He's not. Um, so we'll jump to amendment number eight, because guess who else is up there on the rotunda? Can you tell me who that looks like? Can you guys is that identify? Queen the Lizard Beast? Is it Queen Lizard Beast? Hecate. Looking at? It's Hecate. Oh, Hecate. Oh, shit. Two torches, y'all. Hecate. Oh, I see it now. I do see the torches now. Hecate, Hecate is up there. Is on the rotunda. And look at her face. Look how sly she is. She's been slipping under the radar for millennium. And so I'm quite sure that our uh, nemesis character, our antagonist, is amendment number eight, excessive bail, excessive punishment and fines. She's an imposter, imposter, cruel and unusual punishment, all those things. Amendment eight. And uh, this goes back to that eight of the Agduad of the uh, of Sophia. And that's it. I'm trying really hard to find Hecate on the on the uh, apotheosis of George Washington. She's very she's hidden. She's subtext. She's uh, she's very sly. That's how she gets through. That's how she gets by all these years. Wow, dude. Okay, well, maybe you'll have to point it out to me later because I'm where's Waldo and out right now. I know. Uh, I'll give you a clue. She's under Lady Liberty, I think. Oh, okay. Well, the angle that I'm looking at this photo from, it might right. not even be possible to see her. Dude, if yeah. You're standing the ro- in the middle and looking up, you can't see her. The rotunda, the rotunda image takes a very long time to get, to get because there's, you got to look at one angle, then you got to look at the other. And you, you just got to, you can't take it all in in one glance. World's that's wild, warfare. dude. You can't, you can't see the seer. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, that's it for the council there. Amendments one through eight. All present and accounted for. All holder in due course. We still got a lot of movie left. So yeah, I'm playing. In a, I'm playing in a part three. Let's start. A, let's start this over again. Let's let's do another one of these because there's there's a lot to to a lot of psychology left in the last last part. It it gets uh, it starts to get emotional. And okay, I'm game with uh, picking up at the. You know, picking up with the death of the Illuminati, maybe in the next conversation. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, guys, that sounds good to me because, yeah, there's a lot more to go and uh, don't want to really go much past 30 or three hours if I can avoid it. I'd rather just do another one. All right. Uh, <laughs> come back stronger. All right. Well, well let me mm, let me do one more thing before you we finish. It. Yeah, this will be a good. This will be a good. Uh, this will be a great point to draw a line. Uh, Create us a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Right. This will totally be a cliffhanger. This is great. So, uh, in during the courtroom scene, something really profound happens, and it's in the moment when they say the word incursion, 
And if you're a Marvel fan, uh, as I understand it, I've heard that Marvel fans, uh, that was like fan service when they used the word incursion. And a lot of the fans knew what that meant. And it got, it got them very excited because of other episodes, I guess, incursions have happened in the past. So in the comics. Thing. Yeah. It's okay. a thing the, for, because whenever, whenever you start talking about incursions in the comics, it's very fan service anyway, because fan service is the definition of multiverse in terms of the comic books. Cause now you can have a version of a hero or a character that is specifically redesigned in a parallel universe just to fit some weird fan fetishism of the, you know, and there's like a, and thus anything. It's also like that for the authors too. It's like a huge freedom for the authors. If they can just make up any changes that they want to a character mm-hmm. and call it multiverse. So right. it's a, it's a huge reason for why people even like comic books probably is that huge ability to completely renovate its own world which Mm -hmm. is a a sun trinity concept as well in like the cycle of the ages completely renovate the world (laughs) and like start it again from scratch new day new dawn without affecting the canon or the lore or the lure of the comic books themselves because they've found a loophole where it's a parallel universe so this and that it's like the ultimate yes and these com- these comics come from, I mean, this is an old tradition for Marvel is what if, what if started in the seventies, like there was a whole series, um, which is why they have the what if series now on Disney plus they've taken, taken that. Now, what if was like, uh, back in the day, what if, uh, what if, um, I, I don't remember, you know, what if Hulk was Iron Man or whatever? What if, what if David Banner or Bruce Banner was, was, uh, yeah, it's still a title today. I was at the comic yeah. book store a couple of weeks ago selling my old comics, actually. <laughs> yeah, I made a lot off of them. Good for uh, you, dude. and the new, I still have my ultimate comics. I just really reduced down to the ones I maybe would read again someday and I like and collected specifically, but. While I was there, they were still doing what ifs. I saw it on the new releases wall. <laughs> and it was like, what if Miles Morales, the uh, new Spider-Man, who, who, like, what if he got the Thor powers or something? So they're just constantly doing it. <laughs> it's a never ending source of fan service. People like it's, it's integral to the industry of comic books. You have to understand because comic books really the strategy as a business model is as many number ones that are attractive as you can create. Not like issue number ones, the more issue number ones that you can create, you know, the more money you make because the fans, if they see an issue number one and it's got a hooky concept, like one of these multiversal mashups, they're more likely to buy that from a greed standpoint of like, they think it'll be worth something someday because it's number one and that's part of the collector uh, thing. But also because, you know, they're trying to get somebody to then be invested in this other world that they weren't even aware of yesterday, but there's a new number one and then maybe they'll buy number two, maybe number three. So Marvel's doing that all the time, trying to find a, a, a new title, a new dynamic, a new number one, that will hook somebody into spending three more dollars per month or per week on comics or per month, I guess. 
Right. And then they can control the availability of it. And then, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all stocks. It's all stocks and bonds and buying and selling and trading. Can you zoom in in the bottom, uh, the bottom left corner? So at the moment that he says the word incursion was exactly the halfway point in the film. And this is our initiation point. Oh. This tells us that, you know, we're on a scavenger hunt. Look behind him. Look at the shadow behind him. By the way, the incursion idea of one universe overlapping onto another and one or both getting destroyed, like the the veil (laughs) is thin type of idea, the likelihood is the next Thanos level event or whatever big Super Avengers movie, that will be the reality threatening thing. And I think we're going to be looking at superheroes making the decision to destroy other realities to save their own right yeah the kind of cern cern style warfare kind I mean, of if thing that's not like a, a real falling of the archetype of the superhero i don't know what is destroying entire yep. realities you know yep yep so yeah so we got uh, one 104 on both sides those are twin towers we've made the time slide into two exact twin towers well, it's also the to the fourteen uh, mansions of the moon, right? Yep, yep. Because it's got twenty eight days in a lunar cycle, but mm-hmm. you know, in terms of an, it, I guess there's really twenty eight mansions of the moon. But when you think about the two sides of that, yeah, you know, a half moon is a half moon. <laughs> there's only, I mean, there's a half moon where the right is full and the left is dark, and vice versa. But you could yep. kind of look at it like there's fourteen moons because there's percentages you know a percentage full and that is encoded also in the adam and eve story a d a m that's a one four one four eve is a one four snake is a one four everything is divided by those one fours of the moon of the moon uh so uh you see the tower behind him he's talking about incursions so i mark this i put this in my mind i put a, a a a a markation on this timestamp. And now if you pull back from this image chance, I realize that there's something like, oh, so it's, uh, Dr. Strange's response to this, uh, this second, he says in response to him, he says, incursion, question mark. So there's an echo in the narrative. And so where uh, the first times that it's mentioned is on one side of the time mark, the second time is on the other side of the time mark. Something just like that happens exactly 18 minutes and 36 seconds later. And that is uh, in the tunnel, in the water tunnel, where they're uh, running away from Wanda. She, uh, he strikes the tunnel down. He collapses the tunnel, so Wanda gets flushed out. And she says to him, did that kill her? Is she dead? I think she says, is she dead? Did you kill her? That is the opening line. That is refracting backwards to the very initiation of the film, the very first thing that was said in the film in Spanish, uh, in a parallel reality, in a parallel language, in another world, in, in the, uh, the gap juncture. She, her first words were, uh, is it dead? Did you kill it? And uh, here in 18 minutes and 36 seconds, after the incursion mark, she says, did you kill her? 
And he says, uh, no, it just brought, bought us some more time. He mentions time. The eyeball of Agam- Agamotto is the time. Uh, and so I mark the time. And I take the note of 1836, because it is sacred geometry. 18 times 2 will give you 36. So we're dealing with fractality. We're dealing with patterns. My spidey senses are tingling. So then I get online and I start looking up 19, or I'm sorry, I look up events that took place in 1836 and shit gets fucking wild guys shit gets wild really fucking fast and for the sake of time for the sake of a cliffhanger i'm just wait wasn't there a one five three that is the 17th prime let's let the 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 cliffhanger come So I look up the uh, events that took place in 1836, and my freaking mind is blown. Hold on, I got to find it. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. This is wild. This is wild. And I will expand on this more in our next episode because I barely understand what the hell I found on the scavenger hunt, y'all. This is nuts. 1836 hails back to very key events in history. It has to do with the fucking um, Espionage Act. The earliest incarnations of the Espionage Act are rooted in the year 1836. But I'm looking on the, you know, just doing the uh, events in 1836, and I find this one section in the, like, one of the first websites I, I look at, and in the events, I find Congress of the United States, known as the U.S. Congress, passes an act creating the Wisconsin Territory. Well, that's really weird because something I wasn't going to bring into the project was the fact that his fucking patch on his cape looked just like Wisconsin to me. It's like, whoa, that is weird that they're bringing Wisconsin in on 1836. That is super weird. So I just take a note of it. And then I look at the next thing. The Texas Revolution in the Battle of San Yacinto, well, look at her shirt, is the star. She is repping Texas. And uh, Yacinto is actually, uh, that's a place where a lot of human trafficking, that's a bad neighborhood. Uh, finding, seeing that sent a lot of bells and whistles up. And so this has to do with the annexation of Texas from, uh, from Mexico. That's what 1836 is, uh, has everything to do with. The Texas Revolution. This brings us all the way full circle to that organization you brought up that was sending Catholics north to the Mexican-American War by pressuring them socially, making them flee. But guess what 21st of April is? That's the Queen's birthday. The Queen's birthday is the same day of the Texas Revolution. And somehow it's strangely encoded yeah, in the this Queen's film. birthday. There's no big surprise now that she died during Virgo. <laughs> but the fact is that that's also the date that if in procession, the bull was ever on the ascendant, you know, if Venus or uh, Taurus was the beginning of the sky clock earlier in processional history, that's your vernal equinox. Now that date right there. The Queen's birthday, the Texas Revolution. That's the classic vernal equinox. That's a trip and a half, man. That's a trip and a half. So, yeah, that stood out. But then I look right under that, uh, and I see this formation of the ancient order of Hibernius. 
Hibernius. So I looked those fuckers up. And sure That's enough, North mythology. That's like the the northern homeland, Hyperborea. Right. right. And uh, so I look them up, and uh, if anybody wants to, you can do a little. It's an interesting rabbit hole. But look what's on their their crest is a harp, it, which is also on the queen's family crest, along with these four leaf clovers that is all over the uh, ancient order of Hibern Hibernaeus. Yeah, because it's like an Irish thing. Right. It's an Irish belief in Hyperborea or Hibernia. And so we're about to see a battle that takes place between uh, Dr. Strange and Dr. Strange. And the harp is going to be a key ingredient in that battle. And so it was just blowing my mind some of the implications of uh, what the events that took place in the year 1836 and uh, maybe I'll blow out a little more on that. I think uh, this gives us our Druids reference, too, because the ancient order of Hiber- Hibernians are probably related to Druidcraft. You know, uh-huh. the brand, same, same mystery school as your Rosicrucians and, and Masons and all of them, I think. They just are branches off of the same tree, I could say. Maybe, you know, they're not identical, but yeah. definitely branches off of the same source. Phoenicians, Pelasgi. Yeah. <laughs> The ones that can't, the ones that came on a boat. And anyway, that druid symbolism is interesting because as Dylan put in the chat earlier, vates is the Latin word for seers or druids. Vates and the VF switch. Yeah. That's the fates. And fates are the fate of everything is a big question in this movie. Like, is it fate or is it free will or all that? And anyway, that's just another. Minor weave, but I think Gordy's gone. I think we're going too late. We lost. <laughs> we lost our Gordy. That's Damn okay. It. it happens. So that's uh, yeah. So that's a good place to stop because uh, uh, and people can pick it up from here, and you know maybe some of the fine details uh, will be to be continued uh, when we come back around. Because I actually this is about where I was exhausted. I was like. This is too deep. Uh, when I got to the Espionage Act, I started tripping out because guess what? The Espionage Act is exactly what chased Aleister Crowley out of America. <laughs> he froze right there. That's a good mic drop. Dylan says, ready for more book five gravy? Abiri, Obri, Ombri, Ibri, Iberi are philologically the same. And if you recall, this is the origin of the word Hebrew. That's right. Algebra, baby. The Umbrians. Algebra. That's right. Coders. Um, Algebra. Have you ever heard of Umbreland, you know, in Britannia? <laughs> These are the Umbrians or Ombrians. Some mean Ombres. Back to the Hindus. <laughs> Ombres, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, even that word would make him like descendants of the twins. Twins, the Mercury, the Pythagoras, all of it. All right, you think we can? You think we can also wrap it up here? We'll pick up next time. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll finish it next oh, time. Can you can you go back one graphic? Uh, because I did miss some things that I don't ever want to look back. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to look back from. Get empty the cup, work. right? We'll only move forward from here. That last graphic where they're in the jump. Yeah, the jump gap. Uh, the gap juncture, they called it. So I pulled forward the Thoth, uh, the Thoth deck tower card, 
look how similar it is to this scene. You know, the collapsing of the building, it's got the eye up in the sky, very much like this uh, stained glass window. And it even has that monster down below, you know, the uh, crazy mouth, mouth with all that crap coming out of it, just like when they were getting chased well, it's by got the Yada Bay off. And it's there's got the a Yada Bay serpent, off. And there's Garuda, the eagle. You got it. Krishna yeah. rides. So I th- just thought I'd bring that forward because uh, last time we were talking about the 16 petals of that, of that stained glass. And I've mentioned that it's the 16 petals of the tower card. And then I look at the Thoth tower card and I'm like, oh man, it's really obvious. So I just thought I'd throw that in the mix too. Uh, and point out that this is the gap juncture. And we're probably going to see uh, some of Belphegor coming into play because Belphegor is known as the Lord of the Gap. And I think it's a couple times in this environment that they get flushed. They get flushed into another reality. So I just thought I'd throw that in the mix while I'm at it, that the tower and the gap and the Belphegor and the flushing is uh, all, all in play here. So that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. I'm ready for a break. <laughs> well, this is some really useful gravy that Dylan continued into here in the comments. The Ombri, Abiri, Obri, Ibri. Those are from the Hebrew word OBR, transliterated into OBR, which means beyond. Literally the man of the beyond or distant country. So <laughs> whether you know you do this metaphor or allegory of multiverse, are you from the multiverse? Multiverse other countries? <laughs> That's what makes these guys uh the illumin illuminated ones, they're aware of the multiverse, right? No, they control their own reality. They're aware of the multiverse. <laughs> They're the one. Hebrews are those who've passed beyond or passed over. Masonic priests, holy sailors. That's what Dylan typed here. So that yeah, is actually yeah. so on point to the symbolism of really everything. All you know, like all the stories of the world seem to be containing the seeds of this. Yeah, but okay, we'll wrap it up, guys. We'll do this again. I think we can probably pull off finishing it the last part there's just so much to talk about with the Illuminati characters. Yeah. The always going to be more on the table, but I appreciate the chatters really good stuff. We'll aim to do this within the week if we can and keep the momentum because <laughs> we've got some good momentum right now. Catch you guys later. Thanks for being here. Gabriel. Great job tonight, buddy. Much love everybody. <laughs>